Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Glee! Aggressive! Uh, my name is Ian Brodsky. My name is Karina Stokes. And uh, today we're not here to talk about Glee, the musical uh, series by Ryan Murphy. No. Instead, we are here today to bring you a bonus episode where we discuss Rent, the musical movie. The sensation, one might say. The sensation. Um, a little a little background in case you haven't heard of this worldwide phenomenon of a show. Um <laughs> Rent is a musical by Jonathan Larson, who wrote the book, The Music and the Lyrics. Um, it is primarily based on Puccini's La Boheme, the mm-hmm. bel canto opera, um, except instead of Paris in the 1800s or whatever, it is set in the East Village, uh, New York City, in the late 80s, early 90s. And it is also rather autobiographical, because a lot of what Larson put into the musical are... Uh, avatars of his own life and his friends and all that stuff. Um, and instead of tuberculosis, um, everyone is dealing with HIV-AIDS because it's the 90s and this is sort of the height of the AIDS crisis, um, which nowadays that's pretty tame, but back then it was very much the now and the edgy. Mm-hmm. So musical-wise, it was developed on um, Off-Broadway at New York Theatre Workshop starting from 1993 until it um, opened Off-Broadway in '96. It then transferred to Broadway and opened in April of 96 and ran until September 2008. So it ran for like 12 fucking years and it launched the careers of some very popular names, like at least in the theater world, like Anthony Rapp, Adam Pascal, Daphne Rubin Vega, if you've just watched In the Heights like I have, um, Jesse L. Martin, Tay Diggs, and of course... My queen, uh, Adina Menzel. This Adina um, Menzel is really the thread that's holding this bonus episode together because we can say, like, <laughs> well, Adina Menzel well, of Glee fame was actually yes. first in oh Rent. Oh my god, yeah. And they do do a couple Rent songs in later seasons of Glee. We will get to those on the regular thing. But there's threads, people. Also, that answered that answered my question actually. So thank you. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. If you want to see Glee do Rent, they're going to do it whether you want them to or not. Um, I was gonna say I don't know if I want to. And then, um, oh, and then like a couple other famous people that have been in the show have been um, Norbert Leo Butts, Sherry Renee Scott, and um, a Spice Girl, Scary Spice, Melanie B herself. Um, um, did you say that? Oh God, what's her name? This is embarrassing. Uh, um, Angelica from Hamilton. Yes, um, Renee Lee's Goldsberry yeah. is in the final cast, um, which has been. Um, the final performance on Broadway was uh, professionally shot and is out there for you to rent, but mm-hmm. it's not streaming, so I haven't watched it yet. Fair. Um, it's pretty good. Not anymore. It, it used to be on Netflix, and it's not yeah, anymore. Yeah, I know. And so the musical was incredibly well acclaimed. It won best uh, the Tony for Best Musical. It won a Pulitzer Prize. And um, the film was developed in um, like while the Broadway run was like going on mm-hmm. um which is kind of rare but this was like massive for the 90s like this yeah. was a whole new thing like it did like the, one of the reviews i read like rent was for generation x the way that hair was for boomers and arguably you could say the way that um like spring awakening is for millennials um, yeah. it brought an age of rock into contemporary rock into musical theater and married the two 
I mean, and Rent was, like, Rent is the reason that Broadway has, like, student rush tickets. Yes. Which is, like, if you're in part of, if you've ever done that, which I personally haven't, but, like, those, like, $20 tickets that if you wait outside, you have a chance to see the show for super cheap, that's because of Rent, because of the, like, young people invading theater that Rent, like, caused, basically. Right. Of course, the story is that Jonathan Larson died the day of the first preview Mm -hmm. of the off-Broadway run. So this is actually, like, my favorite point about this whole entity of Rent, is that Rent is technically an unfinished show. Mm -hmm. It, like, typically you go through off-Broadway, you develop it for Broadway, and, like, you go through edits and changes, and you put on what could be an entirely new show by the time you get to Broadway, but that never happened. Nobody ever really touched the content um, once he passed away. So that's kind of, like... There's, like, a lot of conjecture, especially, like, nowadays, there's a lot of um, scrutiny over Rent and these characters, which is, like, not unfounded, but at the same time, like, that's always my counter-argument is that, like, this is an unfinished show. Like, it is imperfect. Hmm. It's imperfect in nature. Not only because all art is going to be some sort of imperfect, but because it's, like, they didn't touch it. Um, So, Jonathan Larson's death has always been, to me, one of the most interesting parts of sort of, like, the mythos of Rent. Because right. it's, like, a well-known fact that he died beforehand. Um, right. But in some things, like, for people who aren't, like, super deep into it, I feel, and this is anecdotal, but that some people are, like, they think that Jonathan Larson died of AIDS on the opening night of the Broadway show, so they're like, it has this very, like, mythical quality to it. That's not how Jonathan Larson died. He had, like, an aneurysm. It's not... Exactly. But there's, like, this... Jonathan Larson has been sort of built up as this figure within his own show, making Rent something that I think for a long time people didn't want to... Mm, Okay. Not everyone. People have been looking critically at Rent for a long time, but... right. I think a lot of people didn't want to look as critically at Rent for a while because it had this sort of magical story around it, like tragic, the fact that it was unfinished, that he died the opening night of his show, which is only technically true because it was previews, it wasn't like... Right. It wasn't like... like you it, can still yeah. you can still change a show during previews, it happens yes. all the time. There, there comes a point where you freeze a show before you open, but anyway. But Jonathan Larson dying definitely gave this show sort of an elevation that I think... I'm, I've always been interested to think if it would have that if it didn't have this sort of unfinished, like, tragedy surrounding it. Yeah. And so finally they created Rent the, mo- the movie, the musical, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, and it starred most of the original cast, minus Daphne Rubin Vega and Freddie Walker. So in their place, Rosario Dawson was hired to play Mimi. And uh, Tracy Chan. Tracy Toms. Tracy Toms um, was cast as Joanne, and mm-hmm. she ended up playing the role on Broadway in that final performance cast. Yes. Um, and she's the real fucking deal. She's incredible. Yeah, she really is. Fun fact. I mean, like, it's well known that Adina Menzel was married to Tay Diggs for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and they have a son together. I found out Adina Menzel is now married to one of the dudes in the life support group from the film. Which one? Uh, Steve. The curly-haired dude. Not Wait. the guy from Gilmore Girls. Oh, fuck. You got me. I was about to like, the, the guy, guy from, from Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. 
If it was a guy from Gilmore Girls, this would be a whole different podcast. We have to scrap the rent thing and just talk about how Jimmy <laughs> was married to someone from Gilmore Girls. Exactly. Boy. And um, so the screen was uh, the screen. The film version was directed by Christopher Columbus or Chris Columbus. Um, and Stephen Chabosky. I don't know if it's Chabosky or Chobsky. Like, I, ooh, I don't know. He wrote Perks of Being a Wallflower. Right, um, and it was released in uh, theaters in 2005. Um, the response for this one was not great. No. Um, it got a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was a 5.9 out of 10 on the Metacritic score. They said the direction was weak. There was kind of this pretentious faux boho vibe to the film. Yep. Um, even though a lot of the Rent fans forgave its flaws. See, me. And then they also did Rent Live on Fox, which is hilarious because it's Fox. Okay, so, okay, here's my first question before we get into anything else. Have you ever done Rent? You, an actor. (sighs) No, and, like, I, to this, I'm dying to play Mark Cohen. Mark Cohen is on my list of dream roles. Yeah, I know that I'd be great for it. Like, I'm dying to do it. Yeah, that all all tracks. Um, I didn't think you had, but if you would, you'd be Mark and we all know it. Um, Right. Like, look at you. You even own the shirts. Look at me. I do, and a jacket that looks very much like... Like, you could go out and be Mark right now. Um, like, yeah, just cosplaying in my life. So, since we're going to spend the majority of our time here talking about the 2005 film, I want to yes. give a couple highlights of other performances of Rent that I have ingested. Yes. Um, I've watched the pro shot that was previously on Netflix. Pretty good. The guy they have to play Mark in that is fully just doing an Anthony Rapp impression. Like, That's he's, so funny. he's not bringing his own thing into it. You're like, okay, I guess, yeah, they hired you because you sound like Anthony Rapp. Good for you, I guess. Um, wow. I don't remember anything about it except that it was fine. Um, sure. Eden Espinoza, who's, um, like, a Broadway Wicked, like, she was Adina Menzel's standby in um, the original cast of Wicked. So, like, she has um, Broadway fame for that. She was the final Maureen in that recording. Um so that's another nod for the, uh, not even a nod, that's just for the theater fans out yeah. there. For the girls and the gays, as it were. I'll briefly touch on the fact that many, many moons ago, uh, you and I journeyed to our college to watch our college perform Ren. Yup. Um, which I don't, which I actually have a lot of, like, Mark-style camcorder footage of from when I was going through my own thing. I Most of it's that. lost to time. Um, but we did get drunk on the train going home, so. We did, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and the only Ooh. thing I'll say about that is it was pretty good. They had to cut I'll Cover You. Um, oh, which man. Is to... I was waiting till we got to that song to talk about it, but here we go. Yeah. Let's just bring it out of the table. I'll never forgive SUNY New Paltz for not being able to do I'll Cover You because I'll Cover You reprise loses half of its emotions when you didn't get to hear it the first time. Yeah. I'm going to no, dramatically right. take a sip of my drink now. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's very much a, an anthropomorphized Kermit the Frog drinking tea It's thing. none of my business, um, but it was cool to see it actually <laughs> live. That's the only, yes. perfor- the only performance of Rent I've seen in a theater has been a college performance, and it was pretty good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Broadway production twice. That, yeah. Um, as like a fucking 13 and 15 year old. Oh, so kid. right in the sweet spot for like. Right in the sweet spot. Like it was, um, I saw it right before they like had started making the movie and started announcing the movie so like i get really i used to get very hipster with rent because Mm -hmm. i got super into it a year before the the movie came out and i saw like do you remember frenchie davis no so she was she was a contestant on american idol and she eventually was um 
she wasn't even eliminated. Like, she was removed from American Idol because it had come out that she was, like, she had some, like, scandalous photos of her floating about. Um, and this was, again, this was in, like, 2003. Right, when um, we, ca- when we when cared it, about that, yeah. She played Joanne that day. She hmm. was, like, an understudy. She was the Seasons of Love soloist, which is, like, its own, like, fucking yeah. thing. And um, she was actually in for, she had, she was in for Joanne that day. Um and then I saw it again a couple years later after the movie came out, and um, it was still great. Like, I love the show. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, and um, then I have seen Rent Live, the Fox version, twice, actually. Um, you know, yeah? it, it was on streaming for a while, and you can find a boot, oh. you can find a boot on, on YouTube if you really care. So the whole thing with Rent Live is that the guy who played Roger broke his ankle during their preview night. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't actually perform it live. What they right. did instead is they had shot the dress rehearsal the night before, and they showed that. Which means everyone... Which means it's shit. Everyone is playing at, like, probably, like, 60%, because presumably they were all saving themselves for the big performance. That's a good point, yeah. Um, They hired known RuPaul's Drag Race contestant Valentina, the drag queen, as Angel who mm. brought in a lot of brand recognition, but I don't think is super powerful enough to handle the role of angels vocally. The only p- good thing in this thing is uh, Vanessa Hudgens as Maureen. Absolutely she committed. She's yes. wonderful. Like, she Vanessa Hudgens is, like, can be problematic. Um, she can be. but like, And I had not liked her previously, probably just because of High School Musical. Yeah. And because I, I didn't need her to play Rizzo. She did fine. Um, okay, hold on. That's a whole other story. That's hold a whole on. other story. Her performance, Grease Live is one of my favorite of the live things. Why? Oh my god. Sarah Tina and I watched it for, for two years on each of our birthdays, which means we were watching it minimally three times a year for two years. It's what? wonderful. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, they're all so old, but like, Aaron Tavet as um, Danny is, I totally buy it. Um... Okay. Whatever her name is, is Sandy does fine. No one the cares. The Mormon girl, yeah. We're not watching this for Sandy. Um, no. Jordan Fisher playing Duty, a role is that great. has the d- dumbest name. Great, dumbest wonderful. name, greatest song. Yeah, perfect song. Everything about it slaps. <laughs> if you don't like Grease, go watch Grease live. Vanessa Ann Hutchins, uh, the <laughs> Joe Jonas is in it. Is he? Yes. His Doing pretty, what? His band, DNCE, known for their song Cake by the Ocean, which, by the way, right. they play a version of in Greece Live, plays right. the band at the dance. Okay. Also, Boys cool. to Men is there. Yes, Boys to Men is there. That I knew. They're the they're the beauty school dropout yes. like angels. Yeah. All right. Fuck it. We gotta. I'm gonna. <sighs> I think I I own Greece Live. We're gonna watch that later. Anyway, Vanessa Hutchins is Maureen and Red. It was pretty good. Yep. Um, should we get into the movie then? Let's get into it. All right. So typically we go scene by scene when it comes to Glee. This I feel like we can go like song by song in a way yes. because it's not exactly plot driven in this one. Um, I mean it is, but um, it's, so it's we'll talk about it. Um, so uh, Seasons of Love is our opening number. Yeah, and I forget that like every time. So I will also say for context, I saw this movie in 2005 in theaters. My parents brought me. It was probably very awkward. Um, mm. and I went in with zero context as a youth, like the first version of Rent I saw was this version 
It caused sure. a lot of confusion for me in various parts. I probably should have done my research beforehand, but I just was like, it's a musical. Let's go see it at the movies. And then my parents had to go watch this with me. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So, as I was, as far as I was concerned, I was like, this is the opening number. Okay. Right. Uh, now, many years later, and being an insufferable um, theater fan, I was like, probably pretty pandering that they put Seasons of Love up front. I think that's what it is, because, like, I think I thought about this, like, yesterday, um, after having watched the movie again. First of all, preface this, guys. I've watched this movie twice over the past month. The first time I was high out of my mind, everything was hilarious. That's the Um, way to watch this movie, honestly. It was, everything about it was so funny, and we'll get into that in a minute as to why. Um, but, so, and historically in the musical, Seasons of Love is the act two opener. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they could have still had it in that spot. Well, also, I think it absolutely. The Seasons of Love has a practical use as well, which is to literally tell you that time has passed. Because exactly in the in the in the stage show, Act One takes place over the course of literally one evening. Correct. Yes, and, and then in the movie, it's the like Act One equivalent is Christmas through New Year's. Right. Um, and. And exactly to that point, Karina, I think that they have the reprise of Seasons of Love in there, and I think that could have, where they had the reprise in the movie, could have just been where they put Seasons of Love proper, forget the reprise, fine. Um, But instead, we had this, um, we had this as the opening number, the intro, in my opinion, was way too long, I laughed hysterically when I was high watching this, Um, (laughs) part of it is because, A, you can hear everyone so clearly, there is like, not that there's no blending, but they clearly did the thing where, like, okay, we're close up on Adina, so her voice is going to come through in the mix. Yep. And then same with Tracy, and then same with Anthony. Um, also, I dare you to send me a recording of Seasons of Love where In Cups of Coffee is not the loudest line in the show. <laughs> oh, you're right. Fuck. Um, Daylights in sunsets in midnights in cups of coffee. Does it say that in the score? Like, do you think there's that little, like, I don't remember if it's the F or the P, but... It's the F. And they're um, just like, go for it! Go for it! Bring it! Everyone um, loves coffee! Quick, yell it! Ever- <laughs> yell it! Um, also, yeah, and also, this is the, um, this is the original Let's All Stand in a Line and Sing Something Really Deep and Meaningful, even though, we, even if we don't fully know exactly what we're saying. Yeah. That's, this is the, that original concept. Um... Yeah, in eighth grade, when I was in middle school and saw this, I was like, this is the deepest shit. And I remember vividly having a conversation with one of my friends where she's like, don't you understand that all these lines of the song correspond to a different one of the stories they're telling? And I was like, the one I remember specifically, she was like, the line about where the bridges they burn, that's about Roger because he's a musician and he writes music bridges. And the way That's that she died. That's a bit of a stretch, but I get it. And the way that she died. Angel. Spoiler, yeah. In truths well, that he learned, and times that he cried, and bridges he burned. That's all about characters and rent, Ian. I never thought of it that way, and I don't know if I ever will. But and the way that she died. But I, I mean, given that thesis, I could believe it. Yeah. Um. This is also. I don't know. If what you thought about this, but to me it kind of felt uh, the whole thing like the like it's time now clap to sing out clap though the story never that whole thing felt undercut by the fact that there wasn't an audience that yes. they were just standing on a blank stage like it felt kind of corny in that a lot of there's sometimes in this movie where I really missed the the concept of an ensemble yes there's times in yes. this movie where you're like hey the, you need an ensemble all and these you don't extras have one. here. 
Or like all like we'll get to it in La Vie Bohème, but all these extras in the background, like no, yeah, like purposefully cast them and like have choreography. I guess like I, at the you know I'll say it at the top of this. I really think there's a lot of ad- adaptations in this that don't make it good. <laughs> compared I agree. To the show. I agree. Um, so we have that number. Great. Then we go into December twenty fourth, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But this is our first instance of spoken dialogue that was formally sung. sung. It makes um, me viscerally, like, upset when I start watching this movie again. And so, like, I played this in the living room with, like, Zach in the room, and he was not watching it with me. He was just there. But the amount of times that... And this is just awful. Like, I would hate to live with us, where we would just, like, go through and sing, like, the, the actual songs while the oh, dialogue same. was going. 100 percent same and it's now not only is it spoken it's still spoken like word for word right so and like he is why, why not just they're inadvertently rhyming with their own selves which makes sense when there's melody to it right but when it's just you you white man on the street doing a little poem to yourself and boy did i laugh um, um what do you think about the choice so in the the state show it's just december 24th 9 p.m eastern standard time eastern standard time in the movie he gives a official date he says it's december 24th 1990 so mm-hmm. whereas rent the stage show is technically taking place in the nebulous now if you want to call it that that right the movie is like no this is 1990 i like that actually because i think the nebulous now i don't know i don't think rent could be not that i don't think it could be modernized but like it's rent rent is very much it it is very much a timestamp of that time yes so i appreciate that they made it in that time um i have one more thought about this film before we get into just talking about rent which is that the fact that this is directed by chris columbus whose previous movie that had just recently come out was harry potter and the sorcerer's stone secrets yeah oh okay was that chamber of secrets also came out before this because sorcerer's stone Oh my I god, Chamber of Secrets was 2002. So yeah, he had just come off the first two Harry Potter movies. The movies for children. And they said, you know, I think the guy who did Home Alone and the two Harry Potter movies will be great for this gritty movie musical about AIDS. It very much had that filter. It like, does! That is, like, Chris it very much... is a coward and it shows. It, that's it. Like, like, the hoops... The hoops that we're jumping through... To justify musical theater being adapted for the screen, that these lines kind of sound half improvised in a way that, like, oh, well, now we have to justify the fact that we're breaking out into song. Yeah. Um, fun fact, Chris Columbus is actually the guy in the car yelling at the squeegee dude right as the number begins. Oh, good for him. Um, yeah. And I will say, something that um, I think works just sort of in general Mm-hmm. This number is a good opening number. I this mean, could have been, like, yeah. and th- I like what they did. Like they show like the eviction notices. Everyone is getting evicted. The entire ensemble joins in and they're yelling at Benny, um, who's like their landlord, who used to be their uh, friendly bohemian fo- like uh, co roommate. Um, this works as an opening number. The they could have opened up on that. I think um, give us that context because it is a movie. Yep. Um, and I I, I would have gotten it. Like everything down to um, everything down to like Mimi and Roger making eye contact, and you're like, okay, something's gonna happen here. Yeah, honestly, you could open up with like, without seasons of love, you could open it how it opens with 
with like yeah through Mark's shitty camera with his yes. narration, and then he gives a little bit of exposition. This is where we are. This is when it is, and then you just burst into like. Because Rent, as an opening number, is like a killer opening number. I love oh, yeah. this song. It's it is my song. second favorite song in um, all of Rent. Yeah? OBC included, yes. Um, cool. I just like it, it, you know, it jams, it slaps. I think Adam and Pascal's... Like, yeah. Adam Pascal and Anthony Rapp's voices during parts of it, like, sound really great together. Beautiful. Um and also, like, I love that they're singing to Benny in this. Like, you don't yeah. get that in the traditional stage play. But um, I also, I missed Joanne in this number. I wish oh my Joanne God. was in this. I love what she adds to this number. Yeah. Because, like, another one of those things that I was doing as they were um, doing the narration crackles and pops with incendiary. Maureen, Maureen I'm not, not a theater, theater person. person. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been. Like, it's it's impossible not to. When you, it's impossible not when, to. When you unfortunately have somehow implanted the entire, every single lyric of the original Broadway cast in your brain and you can't get it out, watching this is like musical blue balls. Because yes. you're waiting for them to say the good, good lines, and then they do not say mm, it. They do not. And um, what I do love, the, what is really funny to me is like they burn their eviction notices yep. like it's fucking draft cards. The screenplay that he lights on fire must have been already doused in something flammable because that shit just burst into flames. It went up, um, and they made a good point. Everything is rent. Everything is rent. Um, The fact that they say they're not going to pay it is a... Look, there's been a million hot takes of rent. We're not the first people to talk about this movie. And honestly, in my opinion, a lot of them are lazy. Everyone knows you're supposed to pay your rent. Yes. Okay, we've gotten that out there. Fine. They're not going to pay their rent... They should pay their rent. Um, pay the rent, the rent, but I don't know the rent. The rent. Exactly. I was thinking about that. Um, <laughs> you know, Benny being like, hey, I own this building. There's all sorts of things that we all, we all know Mark should have taken the job and been happy with it. He did take the job. And he should have kept the job. He probably was sure. getting insurance. Sure, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but, like... As a fantasy movie, which is what this is essentially, this is a fantasy movie about some terrible people living their best life. I do think that, like, having this number shot the way it is, that it's not like a sort of Greek chorus ensemble about everyone singing about not paying their rent. Instead, it's like literally hundreds of people yelling in the streets with burning eviction notices that are not going to pay rent. That feels like something that's a little more of, like, a revolution that would probably make the news, not just, like, two people who's saying they're not going to pay rent on their apartment, but instead, like, a whole block. Like, that would actually cause some drama. That would be a problem. So... Right. That kind of makes you think that that's going to be... If you don't know what this movie's about, you're like, oh, this this whole block is going to rise up against gentrification and stop it. Yeah. And, like, I think they do a good job of setting it up in this number in the movie. Um, what I did realize, though, like, in that opening number, um, I think it only, it took me until 2021 to I realize that I think Collins getting beat up is a gay bashing. Oh. Yeah. I mean, like, like I, I mean, he, he could just be getting mugged, but his whole character is him and Angel. Right. Like, they're the gay couple. Um, I guess you wouldn't know by looking at Collins, so, like, it's... I wonder if there was I don't ever, know, like, like, I could be extrapolating, like... I mean, if, it's, it's not unreasonable to, like, take that as, like, the context. It's not explicit, it would definitely be something you would have to kind of extract for yourself, but I can see that. Sure. Um, moving on? Yeah. 
Okay, so like we have You'll See Boys, which is Benny's number. Um, again, some very half-assed dialogue exposition mm-hmm. about Benny used to be our friend, now he wants to kick us out of our home. And Benny's like, well, you'll see, boys. Let's um, band together and, like, I don't know, set up a cyber cafe. Um, I love Tay Diggs' voice. He, I love his voice, and he actually does this whole thing very well. He does. I think he, I think he carries the musical theater adaptation of this. Incredi- like, he does that incredibly well. Um, but we're still jumping through hoops to get to, like, the point where, like, I can no longer speak about it, so I must sing. Right. And then um, I also miss that boy could use some Prozac. Or yes, that's what it was. I couldn't remember what that line was. Or group hugs. And this this was one of the songs that was relocated. Another song yeah. that was relocated, and I think it worked in like what the plot was in here. But um, I missed Angel and uh, Tom in this song as well. Yeah. Because then we cut to Angel meeting Tom Collins. So, uh, full disclosure. Um, so I again eighth grade when I saw this movie, fairly sheltered kid. Uh, it took me a while to connect that this person who met Collins in the alleyway would later come in in a different scene. It was the same person who came in in the Santa outfit. In yep. my brain, two different people. Oh no. Did I know what a drag queen was? Absolutely not. And no. I watched this movie fully. I don't even think, I think even during La Vie Bohème, I was like, what do you mean gay? That woman. Oh my god. What do you mean? I don't, oh, I don't no. understand. So, it wasn't <sighs> super clear to me as a youth that this person who we picked him up in the alley was uh, the same character of Angel who we were going That's to meet in a different number. That's so <laughs> funny. That is so funny. And this was a whole number, not a whole big musical number, it's very much exposition in the musical as well, yeah. but like this used to be a number, again, that they're just speaking the lyrics to, bringing it back to the text, as we say, in the studio environment <laughs> in your in your uh, college programs. My only beef with that scene, my beef with that scene in particular is that the way it's shot and sort of like the sound of it is Angel is like, you can, I'll come pick you up, but, um, I have somewhere to be. I'm going to a life support meeting. And he, yep. and he says, life support. Oh yeah. For people uh, with AIDS, people like me, which yep. is like, okay, Angel has AIDS. But then they walk off into the dark without any of their faces. And it's not like the most loud, but you, Collins goes, me too. So now you're supposed to know, oh, both these people have AIDS, but the right. way it's shot. And if you don't have subtitles on, you can totally miss the fact that Collins is the one saying, me too. Right. I also have AIDS. So you could just miss this whole part about his character. Absolutely. I think that's part part of it is like, it felt so like off the cuff in this. Yeah. Whereas like, again, it was a musical moment previously. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of like, hey, nice to meet you. By the way, I got to go to a meeting because I have AIDS. Like, oh shit, you too? You too? Cool. What, what, what a happenstance. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like this movie is a little more afraid to explicitly say which characters have AIDS. Yes. Um, and there's a few things that we'll, that we'll discuss on that because I think they wanted to sanitize it a little bit to make it more, um, to reach a larger audience. Like, they yeah. knew that teenagers would be into this, but teenagers can't go see a rated R movie. So right. I think there's a lot that they cut out, like, um, going into One Song Glory, since we're yeah. here anyway. Um <sighs> In the musical, I love it. In the musical, you learn right before this that um, Roger's girlfriend, April, had committed suicide um, because she found out she had AIDS. Right. Um, And the line specifically in the musical is, 
Um, we have AIDS. Yeah, leaving in like Roger finds out. Roger's poor Roger man because he poor in Roger. The movies, Roger is supposed to have found out that his he found his girlfriend dead from suicide, holding a note that let him know. By the way, you also have AIDS. Right. So it's no wonder that Roger is pretty fucked up. <laughs> yes. But instead, and he's he going just, through withdrawal. Yeah, like we forgot to mention, like his whole part of his character is he's going through withdrawal. He hasn't touched his guitar in a year. Um, right, right. And so, part of like in one song, Glory, rather than so in the musical, obviously they can't film flashbacks. So Roger Mark, rather in his like narrator role, just like spills it out. This is Roger. He's coming off a year of withdrawal from heroin. His girlfriend committed suicide and gave him AIDS. And then he goes and sings this song about trying to find. A song in his heart um, right which i mean i realized this last or like whenever when i watched it like this is your i want song like this yes. is textbook like 100 roger wants to write one song he knows that his time is limited he wants to write one great song i love it i buy yeah. it the flashbacks were lovely um even though like the whole the whole april thing and that is so much more ambiguous yeah like, they, they don't, don't exactly spell it out and what i also think is interesting even though they don't show Roger ever participating in heroin. Um, they only show That's him true. sort of supporting his girlfriend through it. Um, right. We're, we're led to believe, obviously, we find out through context clues that he does have AIDS and he did do heroin, but they're not really showing it to us. We just right. have to infer this about Roger, which I think is probably to, again, sanitize it a little bit for... And I remember, like, I happen to see, like, my my former roommate, I grew up with her, and she took me to this thing where her dad, because her dad works in radio, was interviewing Anthony Rapp around the time this came out. And he was saying mm-hmm. how, like, this scene alone was enough to give them an R rating. But, yeah. like, they, but the FCC or whatever kind of gave them a pass on this. So I think they were, like, really trying to f- stay away from the line, as it were. Um, and also, I know, fun fact, that um, a scene of, like, a flashback of Roger finding April in the bathtub was shot but it was cut because christopher columbus said it would be too much which sure yes sure for what they were trying to do make a rent for the masses maybe a shot of finding your girlfriend dead in the bathtub would be too much a bit traumatic um Um, i can't imagine though like i i'm just imagining like so half of this number he's on the roof and he's just mm -hmm. belting his heart out and i'm imagining like the guy across the street opening his window going like shut the fuck up roger that's what most most of what this movie is missing is other new yorkers being more annoyed at the cast (laughs) (laughs) like the amount of times we were like this isn't realistic no one wouldn't be opening the window being like shut your trap especially since everybody seems to know each other in this community they'd be like roger what the fuck did we say right Um, i'm so glad you're out of your apartment but please shut up and then the final line is um uh and then no need to endure anymore time flies and then he just kind of goes back into his apartment which i resent because the final line in that song is supposed to be the door because mimi knocks on the door yep and that rhymes with endure. Yep. Instead, we're kind of just left hanging with our musical song, blue balls. Yes, that song ends in the film so weirdly and abruptly. I was like, oh, I don't like yeah. this. It feels like I need want to hear you sing the chorus one more time. Right. I am forever endeared to Adam Pascal, though. Um, yes. I just think, first of all, long-haired Adam, long-haired Roger supremacy in every other... Yes. 
he has short hair. No, give him long hair, even though sometimes it makes him fully look like a dad. We will get to that. Second, I know for, I read, read Anthony Rapp's memoir, um, because of course I did. And I need to. It's fine. Um, but there is like an anecdote in there about how they found Adam Pascal with like no theater experience at all. Yeah. He was, and he had to have his lines taped to the table and the set because he couldn't memorize them. Oh, so like man. his script was like taped to the table and I'm like, that's just like adorable. That's so And pure. that man went on I almost said he went on to play Aida. He didn't play Aida. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, a, yeah, he's a name. Like, that made him yeah. a name. So, okay, so we get into Light My Candle. We see Mimi and Roger meet for the first time. I fucking love the song. Like, in this, every context. And it's, it's very much unchanged, I think. And yes. I like that about it. I do, too. And I think I thought it worked in this. Like, this song was done well. Like, it's sweet. It's a little corny. Um, mm-hmm. This is where we learned April died, yeah. like, technically. Um, Roger's mad soft, but it's okay. Oh my God, um, he's so soft. I'm... But like, this is kind of where I realized maybe it was this time, maybe it was the time where I was just balls high. Um, <laughs> that this is like where you can really see like them trying to justify acting a song. Yeah. Like they really went through their notes and like went like marked out their objectives and their action choices because like I think Rosario Dawson is a perfect casting choice. I think she's an excellent Mimi. I think she sounds great. But like. She's just acting her ass off in this. Like, I think what this was missing, and, like, kind of the movie in general, I think it was missing just leaning into the musicalness of it. I think it could have been done as the rock opera, like, similar to what they did with the adaptation of Les Mis, but I think this would have been better. I think this would have been better if they had just leaned into it. Yes. Because it's just kind of like Rosario Dawson, like, kind of, like, flightfully, like, wandering around the apartment half looking for her heroine. Whereas, like, if they had just made it a musical, you have, um, like, a, like, a vocabulary of movement and a choreography in that, um, it would have, I think it would have centered and grounded the whole thing. Yeah. That being said, love the song, minus, wit, are, you know what I'm gonna, you know which line they're Go missing? Mm-hmm. Help me look. Yes. Help me look. Um, my qualms about this number is I had essentially the exact same realization. I probably, I think I had it a little later that I was, like... Uh, poor Zach had to sit there and listen to me ranting about things, but, like, Les Mis wasn't around yet to set the precedent that you could do a movie adaptation of a fully sung through musical. Yes. Um, because this is such a sung through musical that you're, yeah, it's weird to not. My other qualm about this is the part where she's on the floor and he's staring at her ass. Like, they're both, she's dressed in, like, not a particularly ass showing off outfit which is out of character for Mimi she's dressed like I would have wanted to dress in like high school with like jeans and like a tunic top over it and you're like okay that's nice um (laughs) also I think this is a great point to mention because uh Roger goes up to Rosario Dawson and says you look like you're 16 no she doesn't none of them do they're all old they're all 35 playing 25 which as someone who is going to be 30 still playing 20. I'm fine with it. I will I'll I'll allow it. I just it was inconsistent about who was so, not everyone could still go in for 25 when they were replaying those parts and it on a show it that showed. is really about b- being young in New York City, it really kind of takes you out of it when you're like that's just my dad though. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
I mean, like, you're right. Ra- Adam Pascal does look like Adam Pascal your in the dad. daylight. God bless him. Just looks like your dad, and you're like, "What's my dad doing here? Not paying right. the rent?" <laughs> hey, dad, yeah. get out of there! You hey, need dad, to go to the t- hardware store. Yeah, come get your friends. Um, yeah, y- mom's out. You need to make dinner. Unfortunately, I'm gonna call it here. Adam Pascal and poor Adina Menzel just can't play full 25 see i thought are. adina menzel looked great i she looked great I bought she her. still looked 25 no, I, bought, I bought her at 25 like she mm-hmm. was one that i did buy anthony uh, anthony rap was the other one i didn't buy anthony rap is on the he's towing the line yeah he's tracy little... toms also doesn't but she's like her she makes sense being like she has the energy a little older yeah she has the energy and also yeah that character she's the responsible one so you're like right okay. um tay and... diggs looks great <laughs> Tay Diggs looks great. Um, so do, so does Jesse L. Martin. Yeah, um, who's... Oh, by the way, another thread, Jesse L. Martin would go on to be in the TV show The Flash, and someone in The Flash will be on Glee. Nice. Then we have the first voicemail from... Well, the only voicemail from his parents. We got some yeah. corny lines about, like, sometimes I remember what I'm... I, I forget why I'm here. And then they call, and I'm like, no. I'm like choking a dick, Mark. Like, that's just your mom. Keep wishing you- it. It's also like your mom. Your mom who you lives Mary- in No Rochelle, New Rochelle, yeah. or um, Scarsdale, which is twenty minutes away. Yeah, you're not exactly far from home. You could go home and get a casserole if you wanted. You're just right. being stubborn. Also, like we, I don't know exactly when the holidays lined up, but I did for the first time think about how Mark's parents are calling him, being like, "Oh, we're gonna miss you tomorrow," which is Christmas, and I'm like, "But." Jew. Jewish. My own, the only way I could justify that is like maybe it's one of those years where Hanukkah, Hanukkah intersects and Cindy and the kids are Jewish, so yeah. or are not Jewish, so they're right, the ones Cindy, coming over. Cindy married um a Gentile and so <laughs> I don't know a single Jew named Cindy. Um Ooh, that's true. Um which means nothing. Um and then the <laughs> And then the only line that made sense in this scene was uh, Collins walking in and shouting, Merry Christmas, bitches! Literally, I was like, best line in the movie. Best line in the movie. But that was a poor transition into uh, Today for You, which is where we find out Angel is a Um, Mm cross-dresser. I realized you earned this on the street is a line saying, basically saying, wait, you're a prostitute, question mark? Yeah. But no, he's not a prostitute. This is just four minutes of Angel saying, hey, what's up, hello? I killed a dog and got a grand for it, let's party. So, boy, 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 um, <laughs> partially the way that this movie rearranges things, it kind of makes it sound like it's more unclear because in, when Angel meets Collins on the street in the show, he says, let's go get you some food. I'm flush, which yes. implies that Angel has recently come into this movie. It's less clear in the movie, which kind of implies that Angel found Collins got hired to murder a dog, murdered a dog overnight, and now has, like... That's a good point. It's it's very unclear when the dog murder happens <laughs> between, like, in relation to oh, when... Oh, no. I keep on... I'm so sorry I'm laughing at the words dog murder. That's to terrible. To be fair, it is hilarious. Also, um, for everyone to know, she, she murders an Akita named Evita. Evita. An Akita That's important. is fully a 50-pound dog. Like, but you also- think... You think it's like, oh, my neighbor's yappy little yappy dog. dog. You're expecting, like, a tiny toy one? No, an Akita is a big dog. Like, You're that's getting the a size wolf. of Wanda. Like, yeah. so that would mean a dog who was 50 pounds jumping out of a window. That would make the news. That would make the news, again. 
Also, like, just to be clear, he wasn't hired to, like, shoot this dog in the face. Like, he was hired to play, basically, to play drums until the dog had had enough and commit suicide. Which I don't think is how dogs work, but... Mm. I don't think it's how dogs work, and either way, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a, it's a really weird thing that I wonder... That's from Bohem. That's from La Bohem. That's why, because I was about to be like, why, did, oh. why would Jonathan Larson write this? Except it's about a parrot that the character of Chouinard in La Bohem is hired to kill a parrot, I think. Keep it a parrot, though. Right? Like, I didn't need no, it to be a dog. It's a, it's a large dog. And then they do Today For You, and it's fun. Which Everyone is fun. loves Today For You. It's it's another one that's kind of corny without an audience. Yeah. Because it, it, this time it's just kind of like, hey, I murdered a dog, let me dance for you. Let's party. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Again, I know we're kind of splitting hairs, but um, they could have just leaned into it being a musical. Right, um, they really they could have. And then Maureen calls, and um, Mark has to go over to the empty lot where Maureen's about to do her performance, her protest art piece, um, where he meets Joanne. Yeah, so we haven't really touched on... It was it gets touched on a couple times before that, like, Mark and Maureen had been dating, Mark was dumped, and now Maureen is dating a woman named Joanne. There's a lot of, like... It's, it's that it's it's like a little bit of judgment on Mark for the fact that his girlfriend dumped him for a woman that makes like especially in the Mark's, 80s 90s Mark's the butt of the joke and that there but there aren't a ton of like out bisexual characters and in most like media let's be honest especially right. back then so like is it perfect no but like representation okay. you tried um yeah, and it's also, and it's very much that, like, oh, he, I'm I'm looking at my ex's new partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I have to deal with this now. Um, yeah. Again, my problem with it is, like, this could have just gone right into the beginning of the musical version, mm-hmm. which was, Mark, hi, I told her not I'm to not call to you. Call which, like, I mean, this whole song fucking slaps. I fucking love this number. Yeah. I loved what they did with it. I love that, like... I mean, the little tango bit where they're like, where'd you learn to tango? With thank the, God uh, they didn't cut that. Thank, thank God. God. Like, especially because, like, with the ambassador's daughter. And it's like, okay, we got a little, like, we got some flavor. We got some right. spice here. And then Marco's like, I learned to tango with uh, the rabbi's daughter. And like, that's just the rab daughter. chef's, chef's mm. kiss. I love it. And then um, Joanne drops him, and he hits his head, and he goes into this dream sequence where it's all these tango dancers, and, like, the two of them, and... Maureen, the one in a red dress, when mm-hmm. everyone else is wearing black. I loved it. I fucking loved what they did with it. I thought it was, like, that's what this movie could have been. Mm-hmm. Like, they just fully leaned into it, like, down to, like, the song being a dial, like, like, the song is a dialogue in a way, but, like, it was also, it was just a musical number, and it yeah. was so well done. The dance break was great, but they, but they didn't do the, uh, my Maureen. I know, I know. Patched. Um, just me on my couch yelling patched out loud to no one. Um, the things I like about this number, I like that he still got to say the fuck word because I think twice rent doesn't use fuck a lot. Like it's pretty sparingly in terms of language. It's not like the most language heavy. It it feels realistic, but the, both of the ones where it marks, this is weird. It's weird. Really weird. Fucking Fucking weird. weird. And fucking fucking cheated. cheated. I think hit. And I was like, Oh no, they didn't cut that for this. Did they? Um, and they didn't, and I'm glad, because right. the back and forth between Maureen and Mark is one of my favorite parts 
Yeah. I have mixed feelings about the fantasy dream sequence. One, I, I mean, it's visually pretty interesting. I think it's kind of silly to put it, and it feels very much like a ripoff of Chicago for me, where okay. Chicago was all about, like, it's in her mind. Um, I know I know. Rob Marshall was, like, was like in talks to direct it at one point. Yeah. Who did Chicago? Right, and Chicago is a great way to say, how are we going to keep this grounded in the real world, but also make it a musical, and it makes mm-hmm. fantasy sequences. The, the thing I don't like about this is, yes, the visual of, like, everyone's in black and Marines in the red dress is cool, but I think it takes away from, like, the introduction of Maureen as a character, because in this stage show... You only hear about Maureen for, like, what? Most all of the act first one. act. Yeah. yeah. She only and then comes she in... comes like, rip-roaring in on a motorcycle, and her first line, which they also don't have because this doesn't happen, is at the end of this, like, chaotic song where everyone's singing all over each other, and then it's just hard stop, and Maureen goes, which way to the stage? Joanne, which yep. way to the stage? And it's just like, this is the bitch we've been hearing about. She's on a motorcycle. She's dressed in her weird performance outfit. Her tits are halfway out. Like, she, like, pulls off her helmet dramatically. It's a great character introduction for Maureen. I'll give you that. And instead, we just get, like, hey, that's Idina Menzel. I guess that's Maureen. I have to use my context clues. Especially in 05, where we're like, man, that's Elphaba. Right, everyone's like... Yo, that's Elphaba. We're watching Elphaba right now. Oh my god, girl. Um, And instead, she's just this, like, fantasy figure that they see, and then she makes out with a couple people. Um... Great dancing, love to watch a tango, but for Maureen's character, I feel like they just snatched something from her a little bit. I'll give you that. Like, even if I didn't, even if I liked this as her introduction to the character, I could see that. I also realized that we cut an entire Joanne song, um, but that's fine. Um, oh, We're Okay? We're Okay. I really yeah. like We're Okay. Me too. I think it's a great number, but I can, I don't miss it in what they did with it, with the, uh, with the movie. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. The thing is about, like, Rent as a sung-through show um, is that there's so many of those, like, little songs, right? There's, uh, like, to the point where that's not what most people are probably listening to Rent for, those, like, under under two-minute songs that are just character moments. But, like, you can't even get the full soundtrack on Spotify anymore. Um, Really? No, Spotify just has the movie soundtrack and then the Broadway cast, but it's just called like highlights from the Broadway show. So it doesn't have any of the voicemails. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have, we're okay. It doesn't have, um, Christmas bells, which rips my heart out. I know. It just has like, it basically has the songs that you would hear in the movie plus a couple more. So that's, it seems like that's part of the problem of like the commercialization of rent. I think is that it's like, here's the songs you think you want. I'm like, no, I want to hear those like, I tiny listen, songs that are character I can, moments. I can and have listened to Christmas Bells on loop, trying to yes, pick parse out every one. single fucking part that everyone is singing. Anyway, yes. um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, so then we go into Life Support, which is one of those musical moments. Well, it was a formerly musical moment. Now it is very much like a dialogue into some... Uh, like some yeah. singing. Um, we got we have the guy from Gilmore Girls. He is yeah. um, Marty it's from the best, Gilmore Girls. Marty for Gilmore Girls is here. Um, it's the best he's felt all year. So why choose fear? I'm a New Yorker. Fears my, fears my life. Um, a plus line. Yeah. Um, shortest song in the movie because all they do is sing the uh, "There's only us." Right. There's only this. Which like I remember laughing my ass off realizing oh this is like a mantra. 
Yeah. Like, this is what they're saying to, like, this is their version of, like, the give serenity me the... prayer. Yeah. Exactly. This is their serenity prayer. And I, it's probably insensitive, but I lost it. <laughs> you realize that the dying people had I realized that the dying people had their serenity prayer. And I was like, oh! This, uh, it had it in dialogue, but I, I like it more in song. But this has, like, Mark right, White Privilege Cohen's yes. entrance. It's much better in song because it's funnier in song. It's funnier but, in like, song. But, like, Mark barges into a life support meeting. He's like, I've got my camera. Can I film? And then he does, like, the most, uh, just, like, Mark's entrance with the, like, oh, I, the I don't have. I'm, like, hi, I'm here. I don't think I have AIDS, though. I, I'm not like that. No, no, no. Not me. And then his, like, I'm Mark. <laughs> And, and like, this is his, this is quite an operation. And then that guy just goes, sit down. Mark. Sit down. Sit like, down. How dare you? You're going to barge in. And then he's like, can I film? And literally everyone, he's met with a hundred percent stony silence from everyone in the life support meeting. And they're like, like, okay. And it's like, it's just very awkward. And you get a glimpse of Mark as the artist who doesn't necessarily plugged in. Right. Uh, Again, rich boy from Scarsdale. It shows. It shows in this scene more so um, than anyone. And another transition that I'm so pissed that they didn't just go, like, balls to the walls into was life support into out tonight. Oh, wait. I have, I have another thought about life support. Yeah, go on, go on. So it has Guy from Gilmore Girls sings his line, like, look, I find mm-hmm. some way you teach us back. And then he goes, the line, because Reason says I should have died three years three ago. Three years ago. And... In the movie, you can hear Roger's vocals come in with that line. Because yes. in the stage show, Roger, not at life support, but, like, in his own, at the, the, apartment, the apartment set, he's, like, a spot comes up on him, and you can see that Roger also sings this line, which tells you that Roger was is also, like, Reason says he also should have died He's in the same ago. mental space. He's having the same, like, discussion and with himself. And that means that his, like, doctors or whatever, like, told him his AIDS would be worse by now than it is. Ooh. And you think about this, that Roger's only been clean for a year, even thinking that his AIDS would have, and probably the heroin, would have killed him a lot more. And <laughs> It would have killed him a little bit more. Yeah, he would have been a lot more dead than he is now. <laughs> and we don't really get that unless you're, like, thinking and you can, you're good at listening and you can pick up Adam Pascal's vocals underneath this guy's line. We lose that. I knew that was there, so I didn't, so, like, I didn't think of that. Right. I never thought of the fact that, like, everything you just said, I never yeah. thought of that. That is fucking brilliant, dude. Right, but we, we lose a lot of that in the movie because they don't, I, I was like, do they do, like, a side-by-side? No, you just hear no. Adam Pascal slowly in the distance saying that he should have died three years ago right um and then we go right into out tonight except we don't go right into out tonight we Mm -hmm. have to like we have to like as if we were as if like the audience was like watching this we have to go down the street like make our way over to the cat scratch club and look who's on it's mimi where i think like they could have smashed cut right to that song right to it it should have been and you know what the one thing i'm missing in the stage version and in this i think mimi I think the first thing we need to see in this number is Mimi doing a line of cocaine. Ooh. Um, does I she think, do coke? I she no, I think she does heroin, but I think if drugs are a part of this lifestyle and this, like, especially because she works in a nightclub, right, cocaine, especially coming off of the 80s, cocaine is very much there. I'm surprised there's not more coke content in Rent. 
Um, right. But I think this number, especially going into another day, I think yeah. it's her high on cocaine, her, like, absolutely, her heart is beating at 100 miles a minute. Inhibition's gone. Inhibition's gone. Yep. She's fucking ready. Especially if she's on stage dancing for all these men, like, she has to dull what, she, the, even if intrinsically yeah. is, she knows a little bit of pain. I think, and, like, I thought, I love the number. Like, I, I think I they did a great job with number. it. With with the little exception of her like singing the second verse like just like walking along in the street like yeah um, also none of these people are dressed for like the December in New York when you have no heat like that was my other qualm about um, light my candle is like Rogers wearing like a, a light shirt I'm like aren't weren't you just being like I have no heat I'm like fucking put on a sweater <laughs> sir. Right. Sir. Where are your sweaters? <laughs> also, how did, how did two men in their 20s own that many candles? Because, Ian, how, ma- how many candles do you own in your apartment right now? Um, three. Okay, yeah, is that enough to light your whole- if, if your landlord took away all your power, would those three candles light your entire apartment? Hey, hey, maybe it's not the moon at all. I hear Spike Lee's shooting down the street. Uh, fun embarrassing fact about me, part two, is that I didn't know who Spike Lee was when I saw this, and I thought it was Stan Lee, the guy who made all the Marvel characters. Karina! And Spike Lee was like, he was signed on to direct the movie at one point, too. I was a youth! From a (laughs) white neighborhood. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Or I thought someone was getting shot. Um, there's two different interpretations. That there's a shooting, like, with guns. Oh, The neighborhood's bad, you know. Sure, sure. And those gunfire lights It was the East Village. It could have happened. Um, Right? So, she's running through the streets of New York, singing. Um, Yeah. No one is yelling at her. (laughs) Like, and again, again, no one is like, Mimi, chill. Um, Yeah. But if she was going, if they were going to be doing this number outside of the club, I want her similar to in the stage version. Like I want, I want the first half of this number to be in the club. I want the second half of this number to be her grinding on the fire escape, yeah, like climbing her way eventually into Roger's apartment. I cackled when she finally made it into the apartment, and Roger just kind of like went, <laughs> like he had this uncomfortable smile, and that was so funny. Um, I think poor Roger, man. Like, poor Roger. If I, yeah. The one person we feel bad for in this whole thing. I mean, he's gone through a lot. Um, yeah, I really like, first of all, that's a very fancy club that she works at. Not what I think was implied, like, in right. the text. She's Especially, working at yeah, a high-end nightclub. And you see all of those men are in suits. You know, yeah. all of those men went over from the financial district. Right. Their wife and kids are back in Scarsdale. Yes. it's pro- Mark's dad is probably there. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think like, she kills the number, and mm-hmm. with the exception of one shot, which I won't be able to, like, fully articulate it, but there's a shot where it's her and two other girls, and they do, like, some sort of stripper-like move, but instead of yeah. her being in the center, she's slightly off to the right. Don't know why, it's bugged me for years. Um, I don't blame you, that's just bad choreography. She steals a drink, yeah, if she was, like, if they if we saw her being fully on drugs, I think you're right, that would be, like... If I ever direct, I mean, okay, so first I have to play Mark, like, once or twice, and then I'll right. want to direct the show, because, like, when I was high, I had so many ideas on how to make Rent better. <laughs> and Good. most of them had to, Someone most of them to. had, and all of them just had to do with key changes and, like, mm. just, like, drug shit. More drugs. And then she comes up and is ready to seduce Roger. He seems confused, and then she definitely implies that they're gonna do drugs together, and then he gets pissed off understandably so this was another moment where i was like oh no she needs to do cocaine here again like have her do it right in front of roger let that be what pisses him off because instead he's just kind of like a 
not a, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say what I'm thinking um, mm-hmm. cuz yeah otherwise he just kind of comes off as a wet blanket and he's just like no I don't want to go out how dare you ask me if I want to like leave my apartment I mean I I thought a bit more about how light my candle ends with basically Mimi choosing her drugs over like Roger sure true they've just met but she sees him take heroin the drug that he has literally just spent a year with like going through withdrawal from like not in rehab it's impl- i think it's implied that roger basically just shut himself just, in an apartment yes. and went cold turkey which sucks which sucks. like so the fact that he knows that this girl is a user of the drug of his drug of choice and is in his apartment right now with like sort of the implication that they're going to do it together like there's I don't remember the exact lyrics of um, Out Tonight. But I can understand his annoyance being like, don't bring that shit into my home. Maybe came into my house. Perhaps I just don't drugs. think they did a good job of, like, showing that. Oh, no. That. They didn't do a good job of showing that in the movie, but I know what, that. And maybe that's why I'm like, no, we need more drugs. We uh, do. Um, but if you just, like, know that, you're like, oh, of course Roger's annoyed. He doesn't want to go back on the heroin, even for a pretty right. girl. Okay, I have. I think this this might be the number where I have the most notes. Interesting. Uh, my note here is that this is where Adam Pascal's age really shows because everything about this has big dad energy. Sure. Where Absolutely. he's just like, if you're so like, he's like, why do you need smack? And you're, you're like, so okay, wise. dad. All right, yeah. all right, dare. Like, <laughs> take your needle, take your fancy prayer. Right. Don't forget, get the moonlight out of your hair. And he just these has lyrics. Big... One of my notes is that these lyrics are so bad. These Correct. lyrics are so trash, with the exception of, like, what Mimi is doing. Um, like, mm-hmm. Mimi, like, all of Mimi's stuff, actually, no, I take that back completely. Like, um, and the way that they filmed this whole thing, like, her yelling at him from the street, being like, there's only us, only tonight. Like, I, again, this needed to be on drugs for me. It needed mm-hmm. to her be, like, it, for me, it needed to be the cocaine talking. She needed to be more manic. Because yes. the way it's shot now makes her look sympathetic and all of their friends come and surround her like, Roger, you're so in the wrong right. for not doing drugs from, with this exactly, woman. Exactly, exactly. And um, I think, and like, the, the, the boys just then kind of like show up yeah. singing the counterpoint, which works so much better as a mantra juxtaposed with the life support scene mm-hmm. which in the musical it is so right. i think that was a swing and a miss in the on the movies part this, yeah um and also my note is rosario dawson is trying to play to the back of house uh back of the house <laughs> and adam is trying to play to olivia benson giving his alibi correct <laughs> that's like that like they were in two different movies in this they scene. were they really were um Okay, so here's, this was one of the moments where I'm like, oh, this is how I'm going to make Rent better. Um, Yes, Ian improves Rent, let's go. Okay, so right before um, Adam, Pascal, or Roger starts uh, singing the who do you think you are bit, Mm -hmm. juxtaposed with there's only here, there's only now, whatever, I think it needed to be an extra eight bars of him almost going in. An extra Mm. eight bars of them, like, face-to-face, like, just dripping with tension yeah you have one two three like like guitar bum 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 just let me be and that's kind of what breaks it off you see him like i want to see him make that fucking decision right um like where he almost decides to go but no 
And then it needed to all be in the in the um, apartment. I think it all need to be in the yeah. apartment. Um, I really, I I watched like a video essay spe- once specifically about how this like juxtaposed shot of like Roger on the balcony and Mimi on the street like almost basically ruins the song. Yeah, because like it puts them on different levels. It like makes this like idea of like who's in the right and who in, who's in the wrong like less clear. Because right. it's giving us, like, clear, like, like literally levels. Like, it's very literal. Like, they're on two different levels. Whereas them just being in the apartment, singing only to each other, with, like, the idea of, like, this ensemble Greek chorus coming in with the rest. You don't see them. They don't have to be literal people that we right. know. You can just hear the vocals coming in. I think that, that would That would be better. Instead, you have, like, Mimi kind of crying into Angel's arms, where, like, if you had missed the moment at the very beginning where Mimi and Angel have a moment, right? Um, then you're just kind of like, oh, and, like, Mimi knows I, and, Angel now. Like, I guess Mimi I guess Mimi just went, cried into the arms of this drag queen here. And if you're me, you saw them have a moment at the beginning, and then she put on a wig, and you're like, I guess they, these two different people know each other. <laughs> right. Because um, you're a child. Um, what's your thoughts on the next song, which is Will I? Um, I always find around impressive. Um, I can't okay. personally sing around very well. I get too lost um, about what part I'm at. So I see, stick along with whoever's the loudest. See, um, I thought of you here because this, what to me, was always a skip. Yeah. And oh, all 100%. Of, and, and for me, that's mostly because, like, I get the function of it. And I think this was one they did. They did this pretty well in the movie, I think, because, like, mm-hmm. it kind of became another mantra kind of thing but like in the right context but well, in the it's movie also it's also slow. like a moment because in the movie it's a moment it's roger coming to life support this is that's the first it. time that's his roger growth had... yes right so i don't think that happens in the musical i don't remember i, I don't think... either because this moment isn't that big of a deal it's in just listening to the month but in the movie they're like roger has left the house and decided to accept the support of the aids people right um I and think... so it's a big deal I think, though, this could have been, and I don't remember exactly what my context was in this mentally, but I think this could have been, like, more of a private moment for everybody. Like, I don't think, maybe it didn't have to be in life support the whole time. Like, I think it could have been a little bit of an insight into everyone in the life supports group's lives individually, and this could have very much been them grappling with their mortality. See, that's something- Especially since, like, New Year's Eve is on its way- like, yeah. another year, like, am I going to make it through this year? And especially because that's something you could, like, that would be using the meaning of the film smarter, because in the musical, we don't have time to bring all these life support people into their separate lives. But right. you could do a bunch of little cutaways of guy from Gilmore Girls, like, cooking a sandwich and someone else at their job <laughs> and like someone with their family and it's like repeating this mantra and seeing them living their lives using the support mantra that they've right. gotten from life support that would actually be really cool man we could have made this movie so much better yo let's do <laughs> can't it wait to, can't um, wait to remake rent i can't um, wait um then we have that okay sorry no i think we're about to talk about the same thing but they leave the life support meeting to we have a the police intervention yeah being harassed by the cops which again in the-, in the musical is one of the top five musical moments a hundred percent. Not like me and Zach were fully in the living room, like sing Who the screaming, fuck do you think and I'm like you clapping, <laughs> like yeah. It's it just hits so hard as yes. a musical moment. And I <laughs> like, remember when we saw that at New Paltz, the the young woman who played it, 
Antonia fucking crushed it. Yeah, like, it's a great, that's another, like, tiny musical moment that I would wish I could listen to on Spotify, but can't. Oh, man. And, but they did keep one of my favorite lines, which is, hey, artist, you got a dollar? Didn't think Thought so. Thought not, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the accuracy of the F train. They would be taking the F train. Um, they? I was going to ask you that. Where was, where's the F train? East Village. East, Bi- oh, East Village um, has a uh, Second Avenue stop. Right, in, okay. right there, right, like on, like where Houston meets like Second Avenue meets, um, literally Alphabet City, like the avenues A, B, C, and whatever. Um, Perfect. Yeah, um, I like this as like Collins being drunk. I think that's. I think yes. they did that really or well high. here. I think Collins is kind of implied to be high and okay. drunk a lot of the time. Sure. Right, um, which understandable because he has AIDS. AIDS. But what I wanted again, Ian makes rent better. Part two. Yeah. Um, I think this could have been a, an instance where the entire train gets in on the choreography. That would have been made better because it's mu- it would have been more realistic to have a train full of people dancing than a train full of people sitting and letting this happen around exactly, them. Exactly, because like without that, it's just kind of like, well, this isn't the worst thing to happen to me on the F train this week. But I still... Uh, I do like there's one shot of a woman who was like sitting next to Roger... And then she gets up and moves farther away because she was like, these fuckers. I'm these trying to fuckers. read my book. And I'm like, hey, that's me. Um, yup. Um, I, there was, so, this was a while ago on TikTok. It won't be a trend anymore. Um, but for a while, what's the name of the main character of Newsies? I want to call him Kelly. Jeremy. Jack Kelly. Um, there was a bit where people were like, hi, I'm auditioning for Jack Kelly and Newsies, and I'll be singing Santa Fe from Rent, or they would be like, hi, I'm here to audition for Tom Collins and Rent, I'll be singing I Santa Fe that. from Newsies. Oh my god, I love that. Because the fact that there is two musical songs called Santa Fe is funny. It's so funny. Okay, Ian Makes Rent Better Part 3. Yes. This needed a key change. This needed a key change <sighs> um, right before we'll pack up all our junk and fly so far away. Yeah. Because everyone is joining in, like, the uns- ensemble is yeah. is starting to get into it. This needed to turn into the full ensemble number that it is in the musical. That um, was going to be my question. I was like, this is an ensemble number, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because everyone cut- dreams of leaving a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, everyone has those moments, especially if you've been in New York all your life. Correct. Um, but instead, we hard cut to I'll cover you. Oh, by the way... Do mm-hmm. not buy for a second that Angel did not know that Collins teaches they've been together for a week now. Right? That's the other thing. There's so much about this that they kept in lines that are like, it, it, that makes sense if it's been a couple of hours. Hours. But hasn't made sense if it's been like the full week that they've supposedly been with each other. Yeah. Um, just like, yeah. Um, I like Santa Fe as a number. It's like sound it's wise. Yeah, yeah. But not worthy enough. The hard cut to I'll cover you. Here's a fun fact that I know. Um, they come out at not a real subway station. Right. Like, that's just, there's not a subway station where they are. No. Why did they do that? I mean, there is one, like, the Second Avenue stop does, I'm trying to think, like, there is, like, kind of, not a park per se, but, like, there's, like, a, a stretch of, like, recreational land along that area somewhere. Um but you're right, it's not real. They um, built a fake subway station to well, do all And, like, to you. be fair, like, having spent a lot of time in the East Village, like, you can totally, like, you can tell, like, okay, they built a soundstage for rent because they needed the Cat Scratch Club to be down the block from where they live, down the block from yeah. the Life Cafe. Um, yeah. For me, this song is fine. 
It's fine, which is sucks because I feel like I'll cover you should be more than fine. Well, I mean, and I remember this is going all the way back to 2015 when you, me, Zach, and our friends were having discussions about them having cut this number from the New Paltz production. Yeah. Um, this is the heart, like, Angel is the heart of the show. Yes. Um, like, and Tom Collins is the secondary heart of the show. Yeah. I forget where I was going with that because I got distracted by the note that, like, I wrote, like, Angel is asking him to move in, like, literally, like, after four days? Unclear. Unclear. Uh, but a, yeah. a new lease you are, my love, is a bad lyric. <laughs> yeah. On um, life. On um, life. All my life. This was one. Just... This was a moment that I thought worked choreographically, though. I'm sorry. I feel like I keep cutting you off. No, I just, you're I'm right. I'm so passionate I about this. I can't get my thoughts quite right. It just feels like the way it was shot. This is another, like, number where they needed to embrace it, it was a musical. Because they just shot it as these two people dancing down a street looking at coats, sort of. And right. it doesn't have that, like, butterflies, I'm in, like, we're in a very new relationship, extremely new in the musical, yeah. and we're already professing our love for each other. Exactly. And, it, and like, there's no, like, it doesn't focus in on them a lot to right. show them. You have a little bit of weird choreography that doesn't translate into, like, a full... No- like, they this, they needed to lean in on this number, and they didn't. Agreed. Um, they do have them kiss, which was big in, tw- in 2005, 2005, yep. and must have been massive in 1996. Yeah. Like, to have two dudes, one of which was a drag queen, um, not to mention the fact that this was on Fox, of all things. Like, I remember listening to right. a rant on a podcast once, like... Your grandma in middle America watched a drag queen kiss a black man on Fox, and that was just what they had to deal with that night. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Rent is progressive for then. It's Rent, right. much like Glee, is you have to put on your back in the 1990s goggles and think exactly. about what it's like for them. Right. Um, um, do they, where do they go from I'll Cover You? They go straight into the, um, well, the not Christmas bells. Like, they go into that Ugh. scene, Justice for Christmas Bells. Christmas um, Bells is my probably third favorite Rent I, song. It might be my second. Because I I love all of the little stories. Like, Christmas Bells yes. is a song that is full of little stories. It has some of my favorite lines. Um, I love, like, because you get the little mini plot of um, Angel and Colin's coat shopping, and they find his coat. Yeah, And, like, Angel sings about, like, forgiveness for... And buys Collins like a new coat. Um, Benny's freaking out that his father-in-law is coming because it has that line like "your father, yeah, damn." damn. Um, it has my literal um, favorite exchange, which is the Mark and Roger bit where they're singing about she they're singing said, about Mimi. my candle, and, she and it has a line I didn't hear for so many years listening to it, where Roger goes like. Let's go eat. I'll just get fat. It's the, it's the one, one vice, vice left, left when, when you're, you're dead, dead me. Yep. And it has, like, Mark seeing Mimi from the first time because, like, Roger goes, like, there she is and goes, Maureen, no, Mimi. And he goes, whoa. Yep. Like, he's like a surfer boy. <laughs> yeah. And whereas, like, in the movie, they had um Light My Candle and then they had a scene where Roger's like, um, so that girl knocked on our door last night and mark's like that's neat and mark is immediately like oh you mean the you mean the stripper who lives the stripper I know her. That stripper oh yeah don't our worry friendly, i know exactly who our that friendly is. neighborhood stripper but like instead of christmas bells which is all of that and more that you were saying christmas karina bells. um yeah. 
Instead, we kind of get just, like, Roger happening in on, um, like, Mimi, like, Fine talking drug. to the drug dealer. And if you watch it with the subtitles, you see that he says, the usual, as if to say, yeah, <laughs> like, I'll take my regular number two. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, it's like she's at a McDonald's ordering the same thing she gets every day. And, like, they know. Um, Ugh, I also miss the sung line of, uh... You didn't miss me. You won't miss her. You'll never lack for customers. customers. And then all the druggies with the I'm Illin. Yes. Um, yeah. And like and like they're up to the like they walk to this guy and they're like, got any C man? Got any D man? Like they just are just throwing throwing drug slang terms at him. Yeah. Um, and it's beginning to snow. And it's beginning to snow because cocaine. Um, God, I really want to listen to Christmas bells, and it's not on I Spotify. Know. Oh man, get an Apple know. Music subscription for the like the Just free month, yeah. Um, Just so I can listen to Christmas Bells on repeat. Right. Oh my and god. And then Christmas Bells culminates with Maureen's entrance. Exactly, but no. But no. Uh, and then so we it's... get Roger awkwardly asking Mimi out verbally. Like, and she's like, fine. Yeah, which is like true in the show too, that she's like, I guess. Yeah. But then I love like again it's a you can only hear it in the sub like with subtitles on is mm-hmm. that Mar- that Roger's like hey come on like hey that's my roommate the guy o- over there the guy with the glasses with the glasses <laughs> I cackled I was like yeah there's I'm sure there's no one else white men with glasses in this building <laughs> right now um uh, but I do like though cuz then that's when you really see Angel and Mimi being like oh my god we definitely know each other and we're friends yes. we're excited to see each other yes so then we cut to over the moon. Um, I do like the like it opens with a point of like a point of view shot of Maureen on the bike, and you can see her like driving through the crowd, which is very dangerous. Um, and she like drives past, and like Collins, who once again appears to be pretty fucked up on something, is like, "Hell yeah, dude!" And everyone just <laughs> looks happy to see her. I think that was very cute. My note here was they're really buying into the fact that she's check notes. Riding a motorcycle. <laughs> Correct! <laughs> That's literally all because, she's doing. So here's the thing. I mean, like, we all know I love Adina Menzel. I stand Adina Menzel. And, like, I genuinely think she's one of the best parts of this movie. I think mm-hmm. she's genuinely mm-hmm. incredible. But that moment, like, it's a great moment, but it also read to me a little bit as, like, a musical theater kid's audition to be punk. Like, <gasps> I... I can't tell you how many times, specifically one time, I remember waiting outside to go in for an audition, and this girl was singing Janis Joplin, pitch perfect, like, full-on nasal high white girl belting, and, like, it doesn't (laughs) work. No. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah. Until she started singing. Like, I thought, like... I loved this over the moon. I thought she was great. Like, the whole thing worked for me. Like, the whole, like, trying my best at this performance art piece. Like, trying, like, like I'm trying too hard. Here's my very clever, right. deliberate wordplay. There's my girlfriend in the spot booth, very focused. Like I also like that she gets up, and this, like, she gets up, removes her white leather jacket, and places it gently on the ground, white side down. I'm like, oh, so, yeah. Like, she's like, I don't care about my material possessions. Another another one, but also at the same time, like, you learn later on she's from Hicksville, Long Island. Yeah. Like, her parents, yeah. her parents can buy her another jacket. This also is, like, it took me a couple, I had to become older in view rent to realize that this is supposed to be, that Maureen is not a very good performer. Right. And, like, 
Like, this is supposed to be bad and, like, over the top and kind of out of touch. And it hits all those, but if you don't- if you're a child going to see Rent and you don't understand nuances, you're just like, why the fuck is this here? What's right. happening? But once you get that, yeah, it's supposed to be, like, this Long Island girl social justice warrior who thinks he's doing something for the cause and is really just, like, being pretty self-indulgent. Right. It's good. And um, I think the thing I like about this, too, is her reaction to the cops interfering, where she's yes. just up on stage and be like, hey, guys, hey, guys, let's stay calm, which is, like, the most white woman response you could have to, like, Absolutely. seeing people of color getting beat by the cops, where she's just, like, fear not knowing what to do, definitely not having been in this situation before, and probably subconsciously knowing that it's not going to happen to her. Right. Two things. I always have to take a photo of um, the swollen udder moment, where, like, mm. it's the it's the camera angle from, like, above. Um, <laughs> also, I don't know how I wrote this sober and not when I was actually high, but my my note under the whole dish and the spoon bit is um, Mother Goose could never. I mean, you're right. <laughs> Um, there is some, like, some of the, like, obviously clever wordplay is, makes me laugh still. Right. And then, yeah, like, and then this is where you actually see it turn into a riot as opposed to hearing about it later on. Yeah. Um, like, we go pretty, like, like, we, we see it turn into a riot, um, there's a guy that just runs into Mark, like, an extra that definitely just got paid 25 cents because we watched the movie and he ran into Mark and ran away. Um. Yeah. But, Good um. Him. But then we go, uh. We go into, like, the life cafe, and everyone's, like, checking in with each other. And they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. And then and then I laugh because then they went, this is Joanne. Like, <laughs> they, they had to introduce Joanne. Right, because they hadn't done that before. They hadn't done that yet. Um, and, like, okay, everyone is fine. We survived a riot. This is my girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. um, and this is also where we learn that Mark sold his footage of the riot, which is cool. I desperately miss, um, no, please, no, not tonight, no, please, don't cause uh, scene. Um. Yes. Because, like, all of, look, we can all have a lot of feelings about Rent. We can have a lot of feelings that Rent has perhaps not aged as well as some other musicals, and know that it was something that we liked when we were cringy children, and now we're adults. La Vie Bohème slaps. Oh, fuck yes. La Vie Bohème is a great song. All the La Vie Why are all the, all the words are in my brain, I, like, just... It's there forever. Um, yeah. Would I would I absolutely murder a group of people that came into a, uh, the restaurant I was working at and I said, please don't move the tables together and they all go to move the tables together? Yes. What um, was hilarious about it, out. though? They should be. But what was hilarious about it, though, was like, the guy was like, okay, fine, but please don't put the tables together. And then you hear someone go, Rosie, hey, let's guys, put let's the tables, tables together. No, there was a name in there. Someone in that cast is billed as Rosie. And they want to put the tables together. And that bitch is responsible for all of this. Yeah, um, more spoken lyrics as we learn that Angel killed Benny's wife's dog. Mm -hmm. Um, You make fun, fun, but I'm the one. Like, that lyric is a strange... That's a strange fucking place to... I get, again, justifying the musicality. That's a strange fucking place to start your song, though. Um, Shout out to the Mourner's Cottage, which made its way into La Vie Boheme. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the whole thing worked because of the choreography. Yeah, um, this is the most, this is the number that feels the most like a musical number because they have an ensemble and they're, everyone's participating and you're, I could buy into this one more than I could any other attempted performance. Agreed. Um, what I did miss though is um, you, you see this a little bit 
like it's one of those blink and you'll miss it moments where they cut that moment in La Vie Boheme between Benny and Mimi. The whole mm-hmm. your whole boyfriend, your new boyfriend doesn't know about us. There's nothing to know. But in Over the Moon, when Mimi, when Maureen calls out Benny, you kind of see a moment between the two of them, between Mimi and Benny. Enough to be like, okay, there's a history there. What it is, we don't fully know, but it's mm-hmm. go- it's going to be significant or whatever. Right, um, I I do miss the little more overtness of it because it's very easy to miss that if you don't understand. Me too. I I did like Joanne being part of this. I always felt bad that yes. Joanne was never part of La Vie Bohème. She was just out there packing the speakers. Um, I do miss the, those asides too. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, in regards to the Benny and Mimi thing, not having that aside where then Benny also goes, he doesn't act like he's with you. We're taking it And slow. then he goes, where is he now? He's right. Where'd he oh, go? Where'd he go? Because <laughs> then when Mimi storms up to Roger later and be like, you've been ignoring me all night long. He, cause in this, he hasn't been, he's been dancing with her on a table and steps away for 30 seconds to play a guitar. That's it. And so her, her anger looks really out of place. Right. Um, cause we don't see them like him being weird about it. And then they, and then they both discover that the other one has AIDS and they're all like, you, me, you, me, me. Um, lots of yous and me's. Yeah. You want to talk about a skip. Yo, that is my only (laughs) note on that number. Is I should tell you, this song sucks. This song blows, and it's like a hundred years long. It's a hundred years long. The only And coming off of La Vie Bohème, which is so fun and like full of good and life, and then we have to watch these two people be sad in the snow for two hours... I no. don't mind it in the in the musical version. It sucks. I don't mi- I get I get it though. I get it being there because that is kind of like a private moment. Like it's almost right. like a it's almost like a still in time like it's kind of stalled. Um mm-hmm. but instead like they go out in the snow and then they come back and they kiss and everyone's like, "Oh, this is reason enough to go back into the thing we were just already doing." Yep. Whereas in the musical, this is where we learn from Joanne who had not been there that like a riot just broke out. They padlocked your door, so you guys can't yep. get home. Yeah. Um, like, and they're all like, fuck it, Bohemia, let's rage. Like, yes. This, like, the justification is there in the musical. Yes, um, and it's not here, there. Exactly. Here it's just not like, oh, I guess, I guess two of our friends are we now love dating. Love. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, La Vie Bohème, let's talk about some iconic moments. Yes. Um, uh, first of all, I'm just a slut for Musetta's Waltz. Anytime they play it, I love it every time. So, love hearing Roger do a little rift on his guitar. Uh, the joke... We, Zach and I had a whole moment of, like, the joke of... Of Roger's comment of Mark Cohen will debut his uh, documentary about his inability to hold an erection on the high holy days. Of Mark being like, Roger, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> or Roger just, like, comes home one day and Ro- Mark is like, it's Rosh Hashanah and Mark's just sobbing on the couch full of, like... But meanwhile, his camera's on him, like... Oh my god, he's made it into an art house film of, like, sad sad Jew repenting. Um, as, yeah. as well, it has by far the best shot in the movie which is the end of La Vie Bohème 2. You know exactly where I'm going with this. The slow pan down the table. Angel Angel and Collins are kissing. Mimi and Roger are kissing. Oh, there's just Mark alone. He's oh doing my his, God, like, Mark by slow himself. fist pump. Talk about mucho masturbation. 
boom. Um, and then it pans down, and it's like everyone making out, and then it's just Mark, awkward white boy dancing in slow motion on a table. And you're like, Mark, that's who you are. You poor thing. Not that, not that we needed it, but it would have been really funny to see, like, towards the end of Act 2, like, yeah, I met this girl on a segment I was doing, and, like, we have a third date next week. You know, that's the only thing. I think Mark would probably do well with a little bit more, like, stability in his life. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we have an act break, but... Right. But it, like, doesn't mean anything in the same way it really does. And and then we do end up getting the Seasons of Love-ish moment. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's what's confusing. Because if I'm correct, I just watched it very recently, like, a couple hours ago. We get the Seasons of Love, and then it opens up on New Year's Eve, right? Right. Which is another musical moment from the musical that got but- cut. So the point of Seasons of Love is to say time has passed, a significant amount of time. But in the timeline that this movie has set up, New Year's Day is the same New Year's Day from Christmas. Like, so what? It's been two weeks? I mean, like, I can only... And this just popped in my head now. It's like, I can only imagine that they were like, okay, it's Christmas. Well, we can't do anything on Christmas, so Maureen's going to do our show on the 28th. And right. And I guess four days have passed or whatever. So this whole, like, it's been a year that Seasons of Love is supposed to imply is just not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess. I mean, like, it doesn't make sense in the musical either because all of Act 1 is Christmas Eve and suddenly it's New Year's Eve in Act 2. Yeah. Like, I, I think, guess, yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, it's hand waves out of way. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, She's giving up her vices, going back to school. This was the one dialogue, dialogic moment mm-hmm. that had come out of a musical number that I didn't hate. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was fine. Like, they're just yeah. friends talking about their, uh, friends talking about their, um, New Year's resolutions. Roger still wants to write the song. Hey, maybe you'll do it this year. Am I right, buddy? Right. Um, there's only one, I can agree with you, but there's one miss which is that they pan over to Maureen and Joanne, and Maureen's just, like, in a cat suit looking great. And that's what prompts Mark to say, you can take the girl out of Hicksville, but you but can't, you can't take, take the Hicksville girl. girl. Whereas in the, in the musical, it's because she shows up in a cat suit and then offers everyone chips, yes. like the good Long Island hostess that she is. And, and also that because, is... because she showed up to a robbery, or, like, to a break-in yes. in the cat suit. Like, with it's chips like, okay, anyone. With chips anyone, which is iconic. Um, yes. And we'll get back to the chips. Um, and <laughs> We will. <laughs> um, and then, like, they're just kind of talking, like, well, yeah, like, a buzz line reached out, and I'm like, oh, this is BuzzFeed of the 90s, LOL. Yeah. Um, and Maureen takes the camera, and Mark goes, it's not my bar mitzvah, come on. Oh, poor sweet Mark. So then, like, they stay out all night, and they come home to their apartment, which has suddenly now been padlocked. Right. Um... um Again, undercutting kind of the stakes of what had been La Vivo MB. Uh, Angel just breaks in with a trash can. Right, Although I like, did quite like that moment where Collins is like, you're drunk. And she's like, no, I'm not. I saw yeah. this on TV once. And we're like, and really? Just, and everyone's like, hell yeah, great job breaking into this building. <laughs> like, that was easy. And um, he's stolen all their stuff, which, like, yeah. where the fuck did Benny put all of that shit? That's what I want to know. did he empty out the entire apartment or just Mimi and Mark and Roger's? Good question. If he's, he's doing it for revenge, I think he's. I, if I had to guess, he's doing it for revenge. Yeah. 
And then I and then new iconic line, Adina Menzel in the cat suit leaning against a pillar going, There's always Buzz Line, eats the chip. Chip. Barbecue chips specifically. Barbecue too, I chips can tell. specifically. Um, um, and then we meet. Yo, I I love Sarah Silverman. I got so happy when I saw her show up in this. We were pan- like we were in the shop walking up to the office, and I had this moment. I was like, "Who plays Alexi Darling?" And I was like, "Comedian, female comedian, dirty mouth, married to Jimmy Kimmel." And Zach was like, "Um, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about." And then it was Sarah Silverman. He was like, oh, no, that's Sarah Silverman. I'm like, yeah, I thought you knew that when I said married to Jimmy Kimmel. I think they divorced or they broke up. They did. They're no longer together. But their relationship was, like, news. She's a very good Alexi darling. And I would have loved to see her sing the voicemail. Yes. Ker-ching, ker-ching. I was singing that to myself in the shower today. You know you need money. And I'm like, that's, that line haunts me to this day. Yep. (laughs) And this whole thing comes about because, like, Joanne is like, no, I'm going to go in with you. You're going to take this job, and I'm going to be your legal counsel pro bono. Yeah. And so... Which is very kind of her. Which is very kind. Um, and then he takes the job, which is great. $3,000 per segment. Okay. Okay. And, but then, like, another really, like, terrible moment of dialogue, because Maureen had been flirting with the receptionist, and, like, Joanne is just mad, so they're like... So then they say my favorite line where Maureen goes, in reaction, goes, Ugh, why don't you two take an accountant's ledger and a bottle of champagne and, champ- champagne and go at it? <laughs> uh, this scene, this, why, why this? Why so... this? Because, because they needed an excuse to set Take Me or Leave Me in a situation that isn't the original musical. Because in the original musical... Which is just them in their bedroom, right? It's just, like, in their apartment. Like, they're planning their next protest, which, like, they talk about in the movie, and then they Mm -hmm. talk about it in the musical during the New Year's Eve um, break-in plans. Yeah. um, Because they hear hear the uh, voicemail, and Maureen says, hey, let's do another protest. And so... You can shoot from the start. Yeah. You'll direct, and I'll start. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 543 Open Sesame. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's it's right before Alexi Darling comes in. Anyway, um, but this I'm like in here. <laughs> this it's only to it is solely to set up like Joanne wants to get married, but she can't say married because it's 1990, so she has to say commitment to me and only commitment. me. Um, yeah, which leads us to their country club engagement, engagement party, party, which leads into another half baked scene of Adina Menzel flirting with a bartender, which leads into take me or leave me. Probably the most, the second most iconic number of Rent the Entity. Yes. Which, like, I thought, I thought this number was also really well done in the in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it takes place in a weird setting because there is no reason to have Maureen and Joanne decide to get engaged. Um, I did like that, the, like, close up shot of their like fancy country club invitation it says, "Our daughter Joanne and her companion." <laughs> Her companion. Ooh, they're just gal pals. They're just gal pals. They're just roommates. This is, um, Joanne's just decided to have the same companion for a while. And then they d- they change, oh god, they change the line, I didn't stay and dance at the click club, too. I, I, I didn't stay and dance at the kink club. Yeah. Because. I mean. Fine. We knew. Yeah. Um, but they did keep, there will always be women in rubber flirting with me. They which did, which know. is all that matters. Um, yes. The way it's that everybody. song. It is. The way that everybody gasped when she got on the fucking table as if to be like, we, we would never. 
Like, everyone clutching their pearls, and it's like, no, she's just making a scene because you all know this about her. She makes a fucking scene because that's what Maureen does. Yes. And I like also at the end that presumably Maureen's parents, seeing them storm out, says to Mark, maybe now you two can get back together. Uh, I loved it. And you know what? Good for Joanne for, like, letting her hair down and feeling herself in this. This is a great song. It is. Here's my question to you. Mm. There's been numerous covers of Take Me or Leave Me by in the Broadway circuit. Yes. It's something you can find a bunch of many, many duos doing it. Do you have one that sticks out in your mind? Because I have two. Hmm. So, again, going way back into the depths of, like... Yes. Like, YouTube bootleg rabbit holes. Yes. I remember the... Edina Menzel's final performance in the Broadway show. That audio had circulated, and she fucking let it rip in that. Hell yeah. She fucking, like... She pulled out all the stops. Like, she went out... On a literal high note, and, like, I think that recording sticks out the most to me, and, like, if it wasn't that, it would probably this, even though, like, you can argue it's very studio recorded, it's definitely produced, um, but I do think it's, I think they both sound great, and it's a wonderful rendition of it. What's yours? So, one year, a couple years ago, for Mistcast, Aaron Tivette and Gavin Creel did this, yeah, um... And it's very good. It um, is. Gavin Creel has a mustache for some reason during it, and it's just very... No, maybe Aaron I think he does. might... I don't know. One of them might One of them has a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well, in a similar vein of, like, that sort of miscast thing, there's a version of Neil Patrick Harris and his husband doing it. Yeah. Um, which is very fun, because they're both very talented as well. And Neil Patrick um, Harris was Mark. That was one yes. of his first, like, adult jobs. Yes, I've seen um, boots of him yeah. playing Mark. And he played it on an SNL skit, too. Which, um, I, that's one of my favorite sketches. Yeah. I'm going to go watch that sketch when we're done. Um, yeah, love, take me or leave me. Um, yeah. To bring it, to tie us into our, our glee of it all, this song is going to be in glee. It's not going to be in glee for a while, so I okay. won't tell you if you're right or not. But who do you think sings this song in glee? I mean, the I obvious, can, I, the obvious is, um... Santana and Britney. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be Santana. I mean, I feel like it's not going to be a couple. Okay. Or it's going to be Darren Chris and Chris Colfer. Mm. Those are. Or a Santana and guessing. a girlfriend. Yeah, okay. Those um, are all reasonable guesses. Sure. Um, you'll definitely we'll have to remind me that we had this discussion. Yeah, because that's not until like season five. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um,. Okay. I'll have to remind me that we had this discussion. We'll both be um, in our 30s by then. Um, oh, disgusting. I, well, I know. <laughs> um, so, so then take we get, me or leave me. It's great. It's good. Um, love that number. Um, but then they cut back to the apartment, and they're all having just come from this massive breakup, this yeah. massive, like, pseudo-public breakup. And Benny is back with all of their shit because Mimi talked to him. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. This moment doesn't have the same weight without, first of all, their previous La Vie Bohème things. Yes. And then also, like, Benny being disgusting about it and being like, you should have seen what she wore to the office. Right, well, that was the whole thing, because this was in New Year's Eve B or whatever. Um, yeah. Where, like, it was a whole musical moment, of course, where Benny, like you said, is disgusting about it, 
Yeah. But I think we lost a bit of that here. It's also, like, Benny really sort of asserting his power over them. And, like, because right. it happens in New Year's Eve B that they break into this house and then just find out that he's already there. Like, and I remember, I remember what it was because it yeah. leads into C, which yeah. is where you find, like, where you find out about Mimi and Benny having a history. Mm-hmm. And because of this, Roger and Mimi essentially have this big blowout breakup. Yes. That's what I was getting towards. Yeah. It, it's a big change in all the relationships. Whereas yeah. now, yeah, well, now it's like Mimi came and talked to me and this one line is enough to make Roger go like, exactly spoken like, to another. It makes Roger look worse because it makes him look like a big jealous oaf where he's like, exactly. I can't believe you would go speak to this man. Right. Uh, we're, we're done now. But also, are we? Because cause that, then it goes right into... Um, Without You. Yeah. Another song I generally skip, but... Um, Again, same. But, um, talk, like, going back to, like, this is the one part where I will buy into the discourse of how awful these people are, because, like, Benny is offering you free rent again. Again. Take the deal, you fucks. Yeah. Especially because their apartment's fucking beautiful. Their, bar- their apartment is beautiful, and half of them have jobs. Yeah. They, ca- they can just save money now. Mm-hmm. Mark, you don't have to give him your entire first advance. Just take the rent deal. Yeah. Save your money and then work on your... Take two weeks off of work and rent... and Rent. Take two weeks off of work and work on your film. Yeah. This is when choices were made. And, like, especially Collins, who's a fucking professor, is like, no, man, we're not yeah, going to sell out. And it's like, bitch, you're the product of academic America. Collins has always confused me in rent because i don't know it's also like one thing about like how old are these people because presumably he's not a professor he can't be he can't have gone to school for that long um but then also joanne is a lawyer which means she's fully gone through law school and taken the bar which takes like a while which is why i buy that joanne is probably supposed to be pretty significantly older like coming on late 20s whereas the rest of them are early 20s so Collins is probably at best an adjunct professor somewhere, or like a TA, um, like a paid, yeah. like a paid TA position. I just or he's uh, like it a, always oh. confused me. Like when I was younger, being like, you have to have your shit to, way more together to be a teacher, which I now know isn't true. But I feel like you have to have your shit a little bit together to right. be a teacher. Perhaps like Collins is like a like has like a fellowship where he's like paid yeah. to research and like. Like, um, develop stuff. And he's like, yeah. He, Collins' whole deal is confusing. The choice to make him be part of academia seems unnecessary. Um, right. Like, you didn't need to make that a, a fact about him. You could have just made him, like, an anarchist who kind of bums around and, like, makes trouble. Right. He didn't also need to be a professor in a couple of throwaway lines. But then we have Without You, which, I mean, A, skip, but I, I do like what they did in this movie with it. I this do sort like... of, like, montage of Mimi trying to, like... It's a montage of Mimi sort of trying to get clean, going through signs of withdrawal with Roger. Like, you can see with him Roger. there. So you know that their breakup from the end of that last scene wasn't a permanent thing. It was a tiff, and he's still trying to be there for her, support her through this thing he's been through. And but he's ultimately, doing a good job. But ultimately, when she can't give up the drugs, he has to cut it off, and it's because it's right. unhealthy for him. And they convey all that in the with just the song playing over it, which I do think is cool. Exactly. Um, 
this is where they s- successfully show a passage of time because you yes. can see now it's spring now it's uh probably summer and like you can see where like they had broken up mimi is crying in the dressing room and in comes mm-hmm. benny yes um, which also weird who let benny into the dressing room of this that club. is my question but also this was the time where donald trump was just walking into dr- uh dressing rooms anyway so yikes also, I don't know if you noticed this. I, I, they clearly did this on purpose, but Angel is no longer in drag. Yes. Um, Angel like, stops participating in drag once her illness sort of starts to really take over. And, like, tying it back to the first life support scene, like, it felt like just a very corny choice in that mm-hmm. one. But, like, Angel takes off the wig, and it's yeah. like, you can be like, okay, this is Angel letting down the guard. And, like, Angel just truly being himself. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was a corny decision then, but, like, then when you get to this where it feels like, okay, Angel has some sort of growth. Angel doesn't sort of have to hide within a persona, perhaps. Maybe I'm digging too deep into it. Um, But also, like you said, he's getting more sick. Yeah. Um, Because this also montage shows angel dying basically and it's because christopher columbus a coward um said we probably can't include the orgy music number in this maybe maybe i'm just like not cool enough i never needed the orgy number no me neither and it kind of makes me uncomfortable and also why is mark there um also why is mark there um also why i is actually Benny don't there? like uh, well I, well I'll, by this logic why is roger there uh mm-hmm. um okay um I will say, that seems like a good time to insert my tidbit that if you look on fanfiction, the number one most written about ship is Mark and Roger. Mark and Roger, I believe it. Yeah, I I don't like Contact, mostly because I don't need it, and it seems like something... I don't like all the, like, weird dialogue that's, like, in it. I don't know. I don't need it. And it feels weird to be, like, I guess it's a metaphor for, like, something... Is, is it it's, a metaphor? I think, like, in my research from 2004 or whatever, it's, like, solely just to be, like, a mirror to the audience of, like, this is what happens. Like, this is, like, this is the age of, like, sex. Safe sex, but also remember, we have AIDS. Like, and then Angel dies in the middle of, like, at the end of it. Which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, just died in the middle of an orgy. Like Yeah, Jesus. it's weird. So I kind of like this better. Me too. And it's a montage, and it's everyone showing up for Angel, but you can see the tension. You can see that uh, Maureen and Joanne haven't reconciliated because they're on opposite sides. And, like, you can, you can see, see that it's the first time they're seeing each other in a long time. Yeah. Like, And you can see that it's the stress of Angel's death that is pushing Mimi back towards drugs because she can't handle taking care of her dying friend. And Also on top of being withdrawal. dumped by Roger. like Right. Yeah. Well, I, I figured she was with Roger and then like the death and the bringing back to the drugs was his final straw of like i i need to be apart from you because you're on drugs sure again. sure but I either guess way I, no i guess i saw it as like mimi unable to deal with like the withdrawal and the breakup goes yeah, back to benny plus much. also yeah. yeah there's too much in general brings us to i'll cover you reprise the only thing i didn't like about this is i didn't like their choice to shoot it in such a cavernous church that make it look like it wasn't a very well attended funeral because See, well, I feel like in a lot of productions, it's kind of set up that Angel is such a figure of the community that, in this community, which we've, as we've discussed, all kind of know each other, that it's not held in this large 
church, it's held somewhere smaller, and it's a place that fills up, and there's a lot of people here for... Yeah. Here to, like, celebrate her life. Well, two things that stick out to me that give me chills. Mm-hmm. Um, this song, The Reprise, is done in the musical traditionally in the same seasons of Love Line, but there's that missing spot where Angel was. Yeah. Um, and it's and that's heartbreaking in itself, on top of Collins just, like, taking you, liter- like, I mean, figuratively, to church. Yes. And then the other chilling thing that I think about was, like, I remember from the Rent Live on Fox, they had it as, like, a funeral service, but mm-hmm. they had it as the community, and they had his mother. They yeah. had... Someone I actually worked with, really? Deborah Cardona, who is a sweetheart, plays, I think, Hector's mom in um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend oh, as Angel's funny. mom. Like, the fact that you got Angel's mother up in this business. Yeah. Everyone's crying. I, uh, I'll i cover you, Price, pretty much always makes me cry. The first time, God, okay, I'm about to make this a little too real, but the first time I watched Rent Live, it was fairly shortly after my grandma had passed, and I was just, like, oh. home alone, Trying to, I tried to watch Coco, and then I was like, well, I can't do that. Can't do um, that. I still have not seen Coco, and I'm not going to. Me neither. But I'm just, like, sitting out, like, Rent, I know Rent, Rent is a funny time. I know this was kind of a shit show, because I'd read all the reviews, being like, this was kind of a shit show. But then you just fully, I think I tweeted about it, you fully have me sitting on, alone in my cou- on my couch, tears streaming down my face at this Colin singing I'll cover you. It, like, he brought us home in that one and you could feel every drop of emotion in it yep. so if you're gonna watch any part of rent live watch i'll cover your reprise Agreed. because it's just it's so good it's visceral and like the and joanne coming in in the movie with the like with the um thousands, we yeah the soloist it was just it good was choice. beautiful yeah because typically that's like ensemble members and yeah, yeah. that's not important though um <laughs> and I just re—I mean, I just re-re-remembered something. Was like I watched this the day after I had watched In the Heights, so Ooh. which I think was an overall like excellent adaptation of a musical into a film mm-hmm. that was just um, like they—they they made it a they, musical. Yeah, like they yeah. did a great job with that. So I know like the, my experience is also colored by that. That's not mm-hmm. important right now. But then we get into this Halloween fight scene, which I'm like of all the things that was cut, I think I miss this the most mm-hmm. because yeah. this whole. Halloween fight scene of like everyone's almost like reconciled everyone is kind of like everyone's raw but everyone's there for each other and then it just kind of like goes to shit yeah all in this raucous rock song into like Roger and Mark fighting over the fact that they're each running away from their problems oh my god Mark's like Mark's jab of like Roger being like you know Mark has his work Mark was for like, his work, and Mark's in love with his work. Mark yeah. hides in his work. his work. And then Mark's, t- like, biting comeback of, like, because I'm the one to survive, and and Roger going, poor baby. And you're like, oh. Everything. Also. That was everything. My, another, I've said this a lot, but another one of my favorite lines was cut, which is, like, Mark narrating of the opening, and then he just goes, that's poetic. That's, that's pathetic. pathetic. I, I, I say that all the time. Anytime me too. someone's like, oh, that's poetic, you just hear me in the background being like, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I really miss Full Halloween. Me too. Like, especially going into Goodbye Love, which, like, mm-hmm. I kind of get why they didn't keep that in this. Like, I can see why it didn't necessarily add, um, but I do think it is a 
it sets us up for everything that we see with Mimi at the end. Yes, because um, it also sets up the, like, Benny's, like, her choosing to go to rehab, um, ben, that Benny is paying for, that Benny paid for, um, Angel's funeral is also kind of cut Right, as well. we missed that, yeah. Because they don't have that bit in, um... No, and it's, like, the amount, the smallest amount of redemption arc that Benny is going to get. And especially because you end that with Benny and Collins going off to get drunk together, and it's like, cool. Yeah. Like, there's hope here. Yes. Um, but we don't do goodbye love, which is fine from it. Like again, I I think it should have been there for plot reasons, but in terms of a also song, because I like, just love I yeah. love that song too though. Like, yeah, just independently. Know, I um, get goodbye love and without you conflated a lot because they sing very similar to me in some ways. Yeah, because they're just Mimi singing about being sad about <laughs> love. Roger. Yeah, yeah, Roger specifically. Um, but then we go into what you own. So um, what you the eleven own, o'clock number. Like, what you own is fully my favorite song from Rent. I don't blame you. This number fucking slaps. It's everything I like in a song because it's got very much like those rock vibes. It's very fast. Like oh my God, their voices yes. mix wonderfully together. The one thing I don't like: why they put Roger on that mountain? <laughs> why they put Roger on that mountain? Roger. Roger. Well, that was one of my notes. Like Roger just spends his time walking around deserts in New Mexico. And, as well, Roger in Santa Fe on that mountain looks a hunt. That's your dad. There he That's is. Your dad. That's your dad on vacation. He's wearing his nice button up because he doesn't want to get sunburned. He's got sensible shoes on. He's like, take the picture. <laughs> and you're like, Roger, dad, get out of here. <laughs> like we have, we have dinner you're reservations. You're 45 years old. Don't get on that, that rock. You're going to fall. Dad, you're going to hurt your neck and I'm going to have to deal with it. So the choice to actually put Roger in Santa Fe here has always been odd to me and unnecessary. Remember that time I did that in a, in a one-off concert in New Falls? No, but yes, yes, I do. I do remember. It was good. Neil Patrick Harris has also done this song. It's such a good song. It's the best song in Rent. And, like, where it falls, too, especially after coming off these, like, all Again. this low, low we were at. That's the actual, that's the function of it. It's the 11 mm-hmm. o'clock number. It's meant to wake you back up um, with this rollicking good time of a number. My one problem, okay, first of all, we see, like, the vision of Mimi. Yeah. And Rosario Dawson okay. looks amazing. Um, she does. But she... My, my one problem with this fucking number is Mark's going through, um, I see in my film, Alexi, Mark, yeah. call me a hypocrite. I have to finish my own film. I quit. Which he just kind of says, like, again, shouting off of his roof. Yeah. You I'm have like, no, a phone. Call her on the phone. You have a phone. It doesn't have to be a metaphorical quitting rent. You can just quit your job. At all. I think that this whole number he could have done from his apartment. And then, like, yeah. it, it needed to end. Ian makes rent better part 74. Mm-hmm. It ends with Roger breaking down the door. Kind of, like, as it's implied in um, the musical. go Like, kind of going like, hey, we're not alone. And now we're back together. Mm-hmm. Instead of them just, like, having this moment on a rooftop where it's like, okay, cool, this is the couple we're seeing get back together. Yeah, I was like, maybe then they should kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone's written a fan fiction where they reunite at the end of what you own and kiss. And just, yeah, and um, it was just way too precious. Um, it really was. <laughs> Even though Roger Christ. aged a f- aged 15 years in Santa Fe. <laughs> And then here's the thing, though, like, not that this is, like, not that this redeems any of, like, the obnoxiousness of these characters, um, and at the same time, it's like, hey, I'll go to bat for Gen X. They don't get, they don't get a whole lot. Um, no, they don't. You have to think, Mark is quitting after almost a year of working at Buzzline. 
Mm-hmm. So you have to imagine he has money saved up. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I, do, I couldn't do the math at how much. I can imagine that maybe he can afford the time off. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm like, you're at the point now where you could absolutely ask for two weeks off. Yeah. To finish your own film. You have most of it done already. Also, like, if you had a lawyer negotiating your job contract, you could probably, like, it sounds like he's Joanna. almost freelance to be like, yeah. you can negotiate that for as part of your job as, like, time to work. Yeah. Sabbatical. Um, so again, a bit much that he quit. Whatever. Do it for your art house or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Mimi's missing. They go on this big whole montage search party. Yeah. Um... Someone says it's getting cold, and of course I had to write that down because that's a song I wrote. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Preview. Preview by my album um, in September. Um, the whole montage thing worked um, as yes, like a it functional did. point. And then we go right back into December 24th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's 1990. Um, yep. Hey, my film's done. Collins is back. But he didn't have a benefactor this time. He just rewired. Robbed a bank. He just robbed a bank. He just robbed a bank. So so far, the way Collins has gotten money is by murdering a dog and robbing a bank. <laughs> and they let this man teach school. <laughs> I, I would have yeah. been cool. Like I just imagine being like nineteen years old, sitting like in an NYU classroom. I did not go to NYU, but just being like, nope. this guy is cool. Oh yeah, I'm sure, and he would be like the he's the professor who would smoke with his students, which you should also not do. A thousand percent. But they found Mimi. Oh no, they have the line like, "There's no room on the couch." I'm like, "Well, clear off the couch, you fucking idiot." That's exactly what Zach said. Zach's like, (laughs) "Then move the shit off the couch." Like, you don't need a montage to the fact that the only piece of set furniture was a table in the musical. Yeah, clean off the couch. There's six of you. It's truth. Like, if everyone takes one thing off the couch, it will be clean. Yeah. But in, no, we're going to lay her on the fucking, like, stainless steel table. We're going to ha- we're gonna lay her on the callback to the musical table. Right. And then Roger's going to sing just the worst song in the world to her. Again, like, it's such a bummer that this song sucks. It, it really does. And, like, do you think this song would have been tinkered with if we hadn't had a... Like, is this one that you think even Jonathan Larson could have been like, could use some work? I think either, either they would have played with it. Okay, one of three things. Either they would have done, like, the actual processional thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to play with this to make it better. Or he's going to replace it entirely with a better Mm -hmm. song. Or he's going to be like, no, this is my opus. I fear it would be the third one. I fear that too. It's not a good song. It's, it's not certainly a good not song. a song worth coming back from the dead for. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's not a good enough song to be like, let me also plug in Musetta's Waltz. And I love Musetta's Waltz, as previously stated, but it didn't belong there. It didn't. I get that it was like a Blah Boheme callback. Um, of course. Rodolfo, and, if you will. Yes, and then she's alive, and she saw Angel, and everyone's and, happy, and her fever's breaking. And, and Angel was like, turn around, you got something to live for, baby. Which does imply that Angel didn't have anything to live for, and that's the way she's talking, but okay. Oof. Uh, um, that's not true. It just, that's me splitting too many hairs. And then, what, we go around and there's, like, we see part of Roger's, uh, Mark's film. Fun way to end it. Yeah, fine. That's, that's Rent. Um, yep. 
I do, I mean, I do love that finale. I do like that, like, the ending is supposed to be, hey, we're watching this film that's a retrospective of the past year and all the shit we went through. Yes. I still love Rent. I still enjoy this movie. I wish, I liked the movie more when I hadn't known about the musical, basically, because Mm. it is very frustrating to watch this movie and knowing what it could be in some ways. And I would almost like to see someone try to lay Miz Rent and do, like... I don't want to say gritty, but, like, that's, like, give us a fully sung through rent. Um, that's just that... truly, like, immersed in East Village 1990. Yeah. Where it's, where it's, like, kind of a cesspool in a way. Yeah. I think, and I've posed this question to Zach, too, and I don't have an answer, but do you think if someone was writing rent today, do you think Mimi would die at the end? I think it depends on who's writing it. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's less spaces for hopeful endings, a lot of where we are now, so keeping it to where she just dies, like she does in the opera, um, might, like, test well now, because now it's less like she came back with the power of love and music and said just, like, AIDS kills people. Um, I mean, I don't know, something about her coming, I think, like, in the fairy tale... With the veil, the suspension of disbelief that is musical theater, mm-hmm. um, I like that. That I like that that happens. Like I That's don't know fair. if it would happen, um, but I like that there is that bit of hope. That like, yes, you do lose people, especially to these diseases that are so new and that you don't know how to. Um, science doesn't know how to deal with them. Like. Right. Big old tangent, like, there's a reason that we have a COVID vaccine so fast, but we don't mm-hmm. have an, a vaccine for a virus that kills your immune system. Right. Um, all of that is to say, like, I think there is hope in that sometimes you don't lose everyone around you. Okay. And Which I think nice. there, And I think there is still, maybe it's not the, the size of space that it was, but I think there is still a space for that, and people still love a happy ending. They do, and... Um, presumably, like, a lot of musicals still do come with happy endings. Right. I'm just thinking of, like, Hades Town, like, oh, it ends with... But that's, like, also fully, like... There's a sure. world where someone makes Hades Town where Eurydice and Orpheus end up successfully. Um, like, just completely disregard the whole the, yeah. point of the ending, yeah. Yes. And where, as well as that there's a version of Rent where Mimi dies, and both of those things can, sure. like exist right what question did you think i was going to ask about if rent was meant today something about like could you write rent today like because i don't think there's a single Mm. place in new york that has the grit that it did in the 90s like no like the east village is completely turned over like and even if it's not gentrification it's the fact that all those people that were poor in the 90s have grown up and have gotten money and like have turned over their place I mean, um, honestly, the, the sort of, like, musicals that tell the story of New York and their neighborhoods, like, Rent, this might be a stretch, but in some ways, Rent walked so then In the Heights could run, because really what Lin-Manuel Miranda did was see that Rent was the story of someone living in New York in a specific place during a specific time, and said, I have my own story for that, and that's what In the Heights is. I don't disagree with you on that. Even in the Heights, that can't exist in the same way it did back in two thousand when he started writing it. Right. Another the Heights another don't yeah. even. Another great way that they adapted the mu- the movie version of the musical. Um, 
Yeah, because, like, not even, like, maybe parts of Bushwick, may, I mean, I would say maybe parts of East Harlem, but then again, you already, like, not that you already have in the Heights, but, like, right. write, write the musical about East Harlem that isn't going to be compared to in the Heights. Um, right, exactly. Like, may, maybe parts of Bushwick, but, like, even that is all just, like, that's already turning over. Like, New York... Yeah. And I hate to be that person's like that's like New York doesn't have that anymore because it's there like yeah it's just consistently being ruined. Well, what do you think about the upcoming? I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers for it, but the upcoming movie adaptation of Tick Tick Boom. Um, I don't know much about Tick Tick Boom. Um, so tick, I know tick, that is what so- I know is it's semi autobiographical. Right, that's it what was I originally know. written as a one man show for just Jonathan Larson to do. He would do it as like a mm, rock monologue. Okay. Um. It's also unfinished, like more unfinished than Rent was, even. Right. Like, and then it was being perform. It gets performed traditionally as a three cast, three person cast performance yes. with these three main characters. One of which is named John. Like, it's not. It's, it's, it's very autobiographical. Yeah, it's about Jonathan Larson and yeah. his process of basically writing Rent. Sorry, I was um, giving knowing looks to Karina in our yeah. FaceTime chat that you. You can't see those. Like, this is a podcast. Um. It, but, yeah, it's it's Jonathan Larson as Jonathan Larson and, like, his experience of being a person in Rent, basically. Right. Except instead of the three-piece that has a whole cast. I've only seen the one trailer. It has Same. Andrew Garfield um, as cool. Jonathan Larson. Fine. And I, it's being directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, which also Ooh. makes sense. He was in it. He played, I think, the titular John. Yes, at one point. I think him and Karen Olivo, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll definitely watch that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm surprised. Well, I guess I'm not surprised it hasn't come up before because Rent, since the movie didn't do super well, as you said, um, but now Lin Manuel Miranda has the sort of cachet to revive something like that. He has the, yeah, he has the platform to do that. Um, Yeah. All right. So, um,. That's Rent the Movie the Musical, guys. Woo. Um, that is a... I could feel like I could talk about Rent for fully Me too. I, th- I legit... I think I might go, A, either A, listen to the soundtrack, like, tonight, or I'm going to go yeah. find, like, a full-length bootleg on YouTube of, like, one of the Broadway performances. I think the pro shop might be somewhere. Let me know if it um, is, because I cannot find it to save my life. That's not what I wanted. Um... Rent filmed live on Broadway. Let's see. Yeah, you can find a YouTube boot of Rent Live, um, which I don't necessarily recommend, but it's it's got its time and its place. Sure. Yeah, no, you'd have to buy um, buy a Rent Rent film live on Broadway. Rent Rent. Shame. Um, we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Yeah. Um, I know we did. We um, did. This was very self indulgent. This was very self indulgent, but we loved it. Um, so the show was at Glee Aggressive because this is a Glee podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, gleeaggressive at gmail.com. Um, and uh, write in with your thoughts on rent, maybe. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Real quick, as we're plugging like our proper show, I wanted to shout out the handle on Instagram, Rex McNugget. Um, okay. Who commented on one of our uh, most recent posts from our last episode um, just yeah. to say how much he enjoyed the podcast and um, how he appreciated the sort of modern progressive inclusive lens that we're viewing it through and um rex mcnugget um thank you um Ooh, we love you we love you um 
So yeah, um, but if people want to find us individually, Karina Stokes, where can they do that for you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Epic Adventure of. Um, technically, that's what I am on TikTok as well. There's not much there these days. Things, you know, folks, life. Life. End of sentence. Um, but feel free to locate me there. You can talk to me about arpeggios, which is the last thing I was confused about. Like musical arpeggios? I didn't know what an arpeggio was. Girl. I know now. I figured it out. Good. <laughs> Ian, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Ibroski on Twitter and Instagram, at Ibrods on TikTok. Um, I don't know. Um, keep an eye out for like the musical stuff I have going on. Uh, please watch a show about coworkers. Um, people are liking it so far. I mean, at least mm. festivals are, so that's cool. And um, stay tuned, y'all. We don't have a clever sign-off for this one. Yeah, um, does watching Rent make you want to watch more Glee? Fine, sure, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a terrible, terrible time. <laughs>